Hello and welcome to the Utopia District Podcast, episode number four. It's Indie Advent coming at you, and today I'm here with a very special guest, the creator and founder of Atlantis Recordings, Mr. Scott Michael in the house. Thank you so much for being here. Atlantis, as some of you know, is a very influential label in the vaporwave community and adjacent communities. They've put out artists like Laser Ship Stereo, Internet Club, Daytime Television, Luxury Elite, Company Auto, LVP, DDS, Donovan Hickory, like 3D Blasts, Lincoln, the list goes on. And I'm honored to be with Scott here today. Also, if you didn't know, Scott produces music under various aliases, mainly known for Trademark Century, but also New Figure Variety, ADHD NFL Blitz, NYK DLN, Diamond Ladies, and a whole bunch of others. So check them out on his Discogs or on Atlantis Recordings, and a whole, a whole host of other labels. We'll, we'll get into those as the show starts. It's going to be a very exciting conversation, so strap in and get ready to dive into some classic Vaporwave. Scott, how are you, my friend? Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm so stoked. I'm really excited. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Some deep dives into Vaporwave classics and a lot of goodies sprinkled along the way. So, Scott, thank you again for coming on. It's been a little while we've been talking, but I've been listening to you for years. And um, we ended up doing a, an event together a little bit back in November, was it? December. December, December, yeah. Late Night Lights, an awesome two-day event. If you haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, you can find our website. Uh, it's latenightlofi.com. And uh, Late Night Lights is hosted there. And we'll be doing some more cool things with that domain in the future as well. But anyway, Scott ha had a performance at that event. And it was such a treat for me and, and the community. So, yeah, we're, we're honored to have you here. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, too. Um, I like it's It's funny. I'm sitting alone in my in, in this room and I. Uh, when you said like honored to be here, I just like smiled because, like I said to you earlier, it's just uh, it feels funny because I'm I'm just a regular guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I really really appreciate your kind words and uh, giving me that chance on on late night lights. That was so much fun. Um, cool. That was the best weekend <laughs> in a long time, and um, yeah, it was a blast. really motivated me to finish my most recent work. So um, mm. it was. It, it was a good thing. It was a lot of good things. Mm. I remember um, you and Luxury Elite in the chat talking there about Preview Guide. Yeah, that um, when I was performing, that was when um, we like decided in the chat that she was going to revive that label to release that album. And so then awesome. in the time between that, she released an Internet Club album, which is phenomenal. I mean, that's one of my favorite artists. So um i was really honored to be for that to happen and and to have my newest record come out on on that label after i think it was like four or six years so um, that was really really awesome nice well you, everybody check out the album please maybe we can 
feature some music from it on the show here. Uh, it's by, it's under your project Century or TM Century. I don't know what you prefer, but I refer to it as Trademark Century. But okay. um, it's on the internet, so however you read it is is how it's pronounced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that no, that's cool. It has a nice, a better ring to it that way. It comes from um, you know my original re- my original records were using these um, these talk bed slash bumper CDs that I had gotten from my college radio station that had like fifteen and thirty second like instrumentals on them. Mm-hmm. And they were from like the early '90s, so they had these really cheesy instrumentals of popular songs. And when we were cleaning out the radio station one year, they were just going to throw them away. So I took them, and those were the source material for my original NYKDLN album uh, in my childhood, and the first two Trademark Century albums. And the name comes because it was the company um, TM Century, which is a like a uh, stock music company. Oh yeah. I- but at least definitely was back then um and so that's where that name comes from <laughs> that's awesome and of, of that's, course I put that's like vaporwave little, right there like, yeah i put the vaporwave spin on it by using like the trademark symbol and and calling it trademark century uh, a little bit of irony there but yeah but and it's just the story such that's such a good name now i'm hearing it that way trademark century like fuck i'm looking at it all through a whole new lens <laughs> oops sorry i hit my mic um yeah so please everyone check out the album on preview guide it's called oh my god that is (laughs) i i assign a lot everything going on and the amp is intentional right of course yes i've seen you do that that before too right yes that comes to back to like uh i don't know like mid 2000s myspace yeah message board era where you would insert your html to make it look a certain way right right um that's definitely why i did that i remember when i sent that record over to lux she said hey is the uh html in- intentional and if not can it be and i was like it's definitely intentional yeah. perfect <laughs> she she was she was picking it up yeah she knows mm-hmm. <clears throat> her you guys are thinking just alike oh and she had another album sorry on preview guide in between the new internet club and your album by triple vx software and yes, i remember well, I liking that album a lot it was awesome and yeah. i wasn't familiar with them until late night lights mm. and they put on a great set and mm. i saw that come out and that was great yeah shouts out to all the late night lo-fi artists out there keeping it real in 2021 absolutely <laughs> Um, cool. So preview guide, we will link that album in the description for sure. Uh, cool, cool. So yeah, man, what's going on lately? How are you? How's life in 2021 and the whole pandemic and, you know, making music during a pandemic as well? So it's funny because, um, this isn't a funny joke to make and i don't know if it's a joke but i always like joke around and say um i wish i had a quarantine because i i work in um i'm a crisis counselor by profession Mm. so Mm. um we're considered an emergency service in pennsylvania and so um i actually worked more 
during lockdown yeah. and all that kind of stuff than than I would have typically. And so um, I haven't had any change except for you know more work and more responsibilities. So the, yeah. um, aside from you know I live a, a pretty far away from my hometown, not, not too far away, like an hour away, but um, I'm not like in my hometown anymore. So aside from, you know, missing my family for a while and not wanting to risk, uh, you know, um, spreading it. them since yeah. I'm with community a lot. Um, that was kind of tough, but other than that, um, just really just kind of settling down with a more adult family oriented lifestyle has been like the main theme this past year um, that's cool that's cool i respect I, that yeah like I'm, and i'm i'm behind <laughs> i feel behind I, I feel behind on my journey of that you're never adulting. too far behind i i used to feel that way too and, and i don't own a car or a house or anything so well yeah, little, about, it's the little things you know right and and it's it's different because I mean, obviously people probably notice like a, a decline in the quantity of my work and, and it does have a lot to do with that. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of things aren't taken care of for me anymore and um, uh, more in depth, in depth than time consuming job and um, you know, a partner that, you know, we share a house so, or an apartment, but like, um, that lifestyle change has definitely, um, been a change for me, but something that I was definitely ready for. And, um, yeah. I'm still kind of figuring it out, you know, mm -hmm. I get excited now about getting tools and, uh, fixing things and <laughs> that's so pretty cool. Yeah. I've been talking to this, my buddy at Utopia district about, uh, fixing his fence. <laughs> it's just it's driving him crazy. Cause he just bought a house or we moved to a new place. Like six right. months ago or something uh sleep pattern shouts out ultra homie and yeah he it's <laughs> just thinking about his this turmoil going through that <clears throat> so funny man but also so shitty yeah that's what you know my day was spent uh i had a, a list of things that i wanted to get done for her and you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> fixing things and, and doing the laundry and all that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. uh, during the majority of my output, uh, my responsibilities were school and work. And, and other than that, I didn't really have to worry about those things. So um, I'm not mad about it, um, but it takes some time to adjust to it if you want to do it right, I think. So um, yeah. just kind of finally settling in now, I think. Yeah. Nice. Well, congratulations. That's hey, awesome to hear. <laughs> Good luck on the next chapter. Yeah, we're working on it. Mm -hmm. And you you guys have been together for quite a while now, I, I think, right? Oh, yeah, about uh, going on three years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so that, that's happening. and um, Life is good. Yeah, it's good. And, and you know, I always um, like thinking about music. If, if someone were to really deeply follow my personal output, um, it's all telling a big story and, um, it's, it's all one big story and my later work is leading into that transition of, um, accepting the idea of being a human being and accepting the idea of growing up and overcoming things that held you back in the past. Yeah. And so, um, 
it was very timely. And as somebody who reads into stuff a lot and like finds meaning in seemingly meaningless things, um, it's mm-hmm. interesting to me that, you know, my life sort of changed right when it seemed like I was ready for it too. And, mm. uh, so I, I like that. You know, some people say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Dude, that's that's perfect. I haven't heard that, but that's perfect. No? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Swish. Yeah. That'll be five dollars. <laughs> so what do you mean about following your your uh your like posts on Facebook, you mean? Or No, like uh, your, your artists oh, output? Yeah, like so like the mm. actual releases that I've put out yeah, as myself. Okay. Um, I'll tell a story. Mm. So, um, the artist names are characters in that story and Whoa. imply certain concepts that I was going through at certain points in time. Yeah, yeah. And it's been 11 years now since I put out my first record. And, um, you know, it starts with nostalgia. Like, yeah. I'm looking at my band camp right now, right? And the very first record is a deliberate reference to nostalgia uh, for childhood at like age 22. And then um, the very last one on here, the cover says, let the conflict end. And so, um, you know, that idea of overcoming your demons or your troubles or, you know, whatever it is, um, obviously like I'm, it's very, uh, self-referential and so um i was at a point where i was like hey we can we can move past all this and move forward and uh and i think it's interesting that it it lines up like that Mm -hmm. with lots of twists and turns in between yeah wow man that is so cool well i'm excited to uh dive into that with the various projects in a little bit but let's steer in a different direction just quickly if you don't mind, and I want to do just a short introduction into you know how you got yourself into this uh, genre and created this label. Um, maybe we can rewind to when you first started getting into music, you know, really taking it seriously. And uh, I know you're you have sort of a punk, punk and rock influence. Um, so you know, I'd love to to hear how you got here yeah definitely it's a it's it's a long it's a long road um <laughs> okay obviously like i've loved music my entire life and um early early ages um obviously i'm exposed to radio pop mtv um my dad was into a lot of rap music so i was i was really into rap music growing up and uh, my nice. mom's favorite artist was Prince, and so I was really familiar with that and like '80s pop, and um, that's what I like kind of grew up on. And when I f- started developing my own taste, um, you know, initially it was right in the the height of of new metal and that kind of stuff. And so mm. obviously I just dived into into that type of thing. But then I quickly discovered um, punk rock in specifically like 90s punk rock um labels like epitaph and hellcat records and um that yeah and that led me into 
I just always want to know more. So that led me deeper. And I just discovered- ever get into drive through records. No. So like when oh. I was young, that was too like fancy for my taste. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it sounds funny saying sure. that now, but to me, I wanted something raw. You know what I mean? And I wanted okay. the most. That, that right there explains a lot actually about your current, your music, your output. That, yeah, I never really thought about it like that, but but absolutely. And and so like <laughs> I could obviously maybe we could talk for three hours about how I got into punk rock, but the moment like <laughs> Next my time. Yeah, right. Um like I loved like Pennywise and Millen Collin and stuff like that. But then Dude. I started deeper yes. and like discovered Dead Kennedys and mm-hmm. I discovered um I guess it'd be quicker to use genres, but I really fell in love with Oi and anarcho-punk and crust and some new york stuff and um fell in love with it and i can Mm. remember to this day the first time i heard the band crass which is to this day one of my favorite bands and i heard like their most famous song do they owe us living and at that moment i was like this is what i've wanted to hear my entire life like this is a perfect song this band is perfect. And then when I got more into Crass, I recognized that they were extremely avant-garde. And um, you'll notice parallels, like they did a lot of work with radios and with sampling and a lot of sort of publicity stunts and, and things that were more than just writing a record and playing shows. And so, um, for instance, like the band Crass actually had a commune in England somewhere at, where artists would go and live and stay and they'd all collaborate together. And that'll tie in more to like what I experienced in my local scene years later. But um, that was all going on and they were making like at the time, it's like what, 1978 or 79 or something like that. Um, and they're making this really raw punk music that was a reaction to how punk music was getting commercialized with bands like the Ramones and the Clash and Sex Pistols and stuff like that. that Everyone knows. And so um, they reacted to that, but then they took it steps further. Like they would hang banners at their performances and they would dress a certain way. And like, there was a point where they got like into like court battles because they created a mashup of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher talking and released it (laughs) and people thought it was like a security threat yeah obviously they had like these really highly anarchistic values um as well as like concepts like feminism and animal rights and environmentalism and um i was just extremely inspired by them like it started off with just you know this is the most badass thing i've ever heard to oh wow it's not just sloppy teenage punk music they're really talking about something serious. It's very, mm-hmm. very, very philosophical. And um, so that started me off, right? Yeah. But um, That's a great, but, great place to start. My God. <laughs> well, then I was blessed too, because um, I'm from a town called Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And it's this small, economically depressed area um, that... You know, there's a lot of people that live there, but it's it's seen decline since like steel mills and coal mines and stuff like that left. And um, 
in my area. Now, so just to give it reference, like I was born in 1988, and so I got into my local scene around 2004. So I was like 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there were local shows in Johnstown. And when I say Johnstown, it's like any other town. Like Johnstown's maybe like a five square mile area, but the 30 miles around it, you call Johnstown, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's from all these suburbs and these other areas. Um, but there was a show every weekend. And at some points, there were three shows every weekend. Um, we would book out fire halls, um, VFWs, um, community centers, things like that. Nice. And I got into it. First show I ever went to was in t- 2004. And what was cool at that time, and this really kind of ties into where we are with the internet now, um, everyone congregated on a an online message board called Focal Youth. Oh, and, sweet. And it was purely ran by um, this one guy that, that was from the area. And that's where everyone talked about what was going on. You know, new bands, uh, shows coming up whatever else talking about bands you liked you know whatever the conversation was that's how message boards were um and that was where everybody was but then friday or saturday night would come and everybody would go to the show yeah fuck Friend that is the coolest fun. thing oh my god it was so amazing like like i can't even believe that that something like that existed back then it's like especially when you're that age you have the time to really you know dive in um, it's like the party never stops, you know, you just right. take it from the show back to the forum yeah. and that was you, last night's it's show, all familiar faces. And damn, I wish we had a version of that. Like we, we sort of do, I guess Agora road is a great resource and fucking amazing website, but there's just not enough visibility on it. Like, unless you're an active member there. You know, right, like amazing the people there. Don't get me wrong; some of the coolest people. But and and that's something I think will tie in. Um, you know, once we get to the vaporwave age and like the time of me starting Atlantis and things like that. Perfect. Uh, because that did exist slightly in in a certain way. Um, okay. But so, like, I started going to shows. And then it wasn't too long before I was like, well, I want to go to a show where all the bands I want to see are playing it. And yeah. so I, um, I actually started throwing shows in December of 2004. Nice, man. Nice. Um, Respect. Fell in love with it because I was never a musician. Um, okay. All my friends were, in, were musicians. They all started bands and were recording and everyone was That's making That's so music. funny. I was the only one who wasn't. I was just always kind of hanging out, you know, like I was around all of it, but I didn't play any instruments and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to write music. I couldn't sing. Like I couldn't do anything. I did mm-hmm. play around. Um, my one friends had a, had a punk band and I would sing with them sometimes, but I could hardly say I was like in the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I would just, I was always there when they practiced. and the practice. Exactly. Yeah. But like, it's funny though. I was just going to say like, I know Ronnie uh, Vaporspace STL. He said something or similar where he wasn't a musician, but he loved the music so much. And you kind of need a to have those people in a grassroots movement, you know, to that that aren't 
using up all their time writing music for their band, they can actually put a show together. Right. And and, so, and I, that's awesome. I took that on like as my role. Like we had a few promoters in the area. Um, all some of them I'm still friends with to this day. Um, you know, we were all young and in high school or maybe college at that point. Um, but like that was what I contributed to the scene was I would throw shows mm-hmm. and I would take great pride in it. Um, you know, I would put together a show that I thought would be good. At first it was all local bands and I would promote the hell out of it. Like I, I remember I used to get kicked out of Walmart for putting flyers on shelves. Um, I used to go to every parking lot in town and put flyers on everybody's car window. Like wow. it was apologetic and no discretion for the audience. It was just like, I want everybody in this town to know that this is happening, whether they go or not. Mm-hmm. And I would spend all my time doing that until the night of the show. And it was really basic back then. You rented the hall, you paid it afterwards. So you counted on you know, people paying their three or five bucks to get in to pay for the venue. Yeah, you didn't have to sell a certain number of tickets or whatever. Mm-mm. And some, and and like, I've never been a very like money driven person. And so like, what money we did make, like, I'd always give back to the bands, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I was just happy they were Respect. there. It was like, I'm just happy people were hanging out. That was, that was like the reward for me. It, and it, well, it encourages bands to want to come do it again, too. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you get at least gas money or something, you know what I mean? Or sometimes yeah. it's a nice payday if it's a big show, you know? Yeah. Um, and and over time, that became, those became my friends. Um, and mm. to this day, like, many of them are my friends. I've collaborated with some of them at this point. And so, um, so yeah, like, I, I threw shows pretty regularly anywhere from like once a month to like three times a month um from like oh four until i went to college in 2006 and um by that point i was all about going to shows and and seeing music and obviously i'd go to any type of event that that took place at my university and then before long i got into um the college radio station oh uh, cool that's okay and that's, yeah, that's really the origin of all this is the yeah, college yeah. radio station mm-hmm. um it was wcal um was was what the station was but um so i go to school and i'm still like throwing shows like here and there i'd schedule a show back in johnstown um i tried to i threw a few shows in pittsburgh but like that's a whole different market there's a whole different population i'm not from there you know what i mean so like they weren't the biggest thing and it was a lot of work to put on a show in pittsburgh because pittsburgh has its own really vibrant music scene um and so i only did that a few times and um i quickly got involved in college radio and got on the student activities board so that i could help um schedule like the actual like university shows Mm -hmm. and so like um the biggest things we did then was um being a part of the committee that booked thursday and wiz khalifa Uh, wait the band thursday yeah dude that's my favorite band are you serious i'm totally serious oh my gosh you're gonna love this story them and and uh horse the band so and uh, but yeah go go on wait what I think Horse the Band played that show. 
No, what? Oh my god! No, 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 no! It wasn't Horse the Band. It was the number twelve. Looks like you. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, but yeah, but dude, that that the, is. Oh my god! Okay, this please Thursday continue. Thursday show. I'm a freshman <laughs> in college. Thursday's playing. I love Thursday. Um, and they're playing the you know the most famous song, "Cross Out the Eyes," right? Yeah and such a good intro to that song one of the best so you know how like in the middle there's that bridge and then he like screams and then the song completely like blows up right okay like the middle end of the song so he's Mm -hmm. in that part where it's like the bridge of the song and he everything's like um you know slowing down before the big build up and the power goes out like all the electric to the stage went out yeah and the crowd sang the lyrics. And I don't know how this happened. The crowd sang the lyrics. And just as it gets to the part where he starts screaming, the power kicks back on. Like dead Dude. on at that moment. <laughs> the power kicks back on. The instruments all come back on. And the music that's, hit. That's crazy because that moment in that song, like I was saying, it, the intro to that song is the best because of the the way it transitions from the that really nice like bongo drummy sound almost like to this like heavy thrashy fucking cutthroat mayhem and and right when it comes back like oh people must have been like because like i don't know the words he says like and we die or something like that it's just like like that like everyone's singing it and right at the scream the electric came back on and i was like this is fucking amazing <laughs> like i you couldn't plan that better unless they oh, did plan it I th- and i just didn't I th- know i'm like thinking of the part is it and the morning dove gets caught in the telephone wire that's it yeah is it i don't i have to re-listen to the song i didn't uh, look it up i promise everybody <laughs> yeah like look up that song if you're into like post-hardcore music because that song so is good. brilliant um, it sucks the video is such shit quality like listen to the song in, in high quality because the audio is so bad on the video yeah well unless they fixed it i've been seeing youtube been uploading i think this is such a tangent but i think I verified youtube accounts can re-upload videos to the same video but change the file you know like you can on vimeo yeah because i've been seeing some some high quality stuff that was no definitely not out in like 2012 or you know whatever yeah i'm sure the cross out the eyes music video was uploaded to youtube in like 2006 yeah yeah exactly that that one hasn't been updated as far as i know but anyway so yeah so i can obviously get on a million tangents but um so long story short i still booked some shows through college and then there was a point in, uh, and this was actually pretty formative too. Uh, my junior year, I actually transferred to a university called Middle Tennessee State University, mm-hmm. um, obviously in Tennessee and um, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And it was a big music school. And I went there for music business because my goal was to um, become a promoter for a living. So that's off after the college radio. So I was doing college radio. I transferred to Tennessee and was trying to go to school for music business. Um, gotcha. Obviously, um, 
spoiler, um, I transferred back the next semester. But uh, (laughs) my time in Tennessee was eye-opening because I met so many amazing musicians. And that university was amazing because you could walk down the street at any point in time. It could be one in the morning and there'd be somebody with like a keyboard set up and a flute and a guitar and somebody reading poetry like there was always art happening around you dude that sounds like magical amazing artists and um Mm -hmm. i uh i got to see some amazing shows i saw ko dot down there i saw picture plane down there um i got to go to like parties (laughs) and hang out with um the band Blastoids, which um, would have been around the, around like the uh, more like the chill wave era. era. That sounds uh, that's cool, man. I'll, let me check that. Yeah, out. this was like 2008, so some of that like really like Animal Collective influence stuff was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, things were starting to get a little weird, and um, <laughs> so that time was really inspirational to me, and I was friends with a lot of. Um, really amazing artists and I recorded my first song there like not me making music but um, actually like producing a song for somebody engineering um, like, yeah. in the be- in a dorm room actually mm-hmm. um, and he was super talented but like so that time was good but uh, like suffice to say I needed to move back I wasn't being as productive in school as I could have been. Right. So I moved back and I was like, well, I'm going to change my major to radio broadcasting and I'm going to focus a lot on the radio station. Um, and I was like, obviously just a lot more mature. And I was like, I can do more with this than just hosting a four hour radio show mm-hmm. on this local station. And so um, obviously like within the radio station, I, I like took uh you know, executive board positions and stuff like that. Um, and, but I came back, I had all this like new music that I was aware of, like whole new genres of music that I wasn't familiar with in the past that I wanted to play on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I started doing that and I started this radio show called Roberto Clemente Rookie Card. It was like Saturday nights, 10 to 2. We'd get really fun with it. And then shortly thereafter, I actually, I started digging deeper and deeper into weirder and weirder music. And there's, there's was, no copies of this radio show anywhere, are there? There are no recordings, but the blog still exists. And it shows um, like track listings of the show. Okay. So I can link that to you, but... Um, like if you go all the way back, it. you can actually see the track lists of what I played. And yeah. then that website was what eventually became Atlantis Recordings. Damn, so, dude. That is cool. That is as, like a, an archive. As, yes. Oh, that website is amazing because it literally catalogs the very origins of Vaporwave. It's right there. Yeah. Link, link me that. That would be neat. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... As I was doing that, I wanted to get more and more exclusive content. And so this is when I was getting into some of my, to this day, favorite artists, James Ferraro, um, Spencer Clark, Sana Ra, DuckTales, 
Mm, nice. The wave started to happen. DuckTales, yeah, that's uh, early shit. <laughs> um, so, like, all of that stuff, all the hypnagogic pop, all of the new psychedelic music, all of the chill wave music. Um, I started reading blogs like Rose Quartz, Friendship Bracelet, like nice. blogs that would post the, that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And that home style nature of it and it being so atypical from what we were used to in like 2009 really inspired me Mm -hmm. and so this was like simultaneously i started recording my own music um and realizing because i grew up around all these people that were amazing musicians good guitarists good bass players good drummers you know good pianists um good horn players you know um, and I could never do that. So I'm like, what do I have to contribute to this? But then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm listening to James Ferraro or some sample based thing. And I'm like, this is, I, I could do this, you know, and develop my own inspiration from it. So, um, like I said, I can get in so many tangents, but, um, so going through college, I'm starting to make my radio show more serious, but knowing that it would end soon corresponding it with this blog um and then starting to experiment with music myself and okay so how do i think here sidebar the first time i decided to start recording something i had those tm century cds and i was also taking like high level audio production classes in school so i was really getting into unorthodox ways to produce and record sound and so the moment the catalyst for me to start making my own music was specifically this i had my old dell laptop i was trying to create my own speaker system so i had my old dell laptop hooked up to a broken mixer that made everything really fried sounding okay on my earlier records um and then that ran into my I, I was trying to learn bass guitar at the time, so I had like a bass and an amp. It was into the bass amp for some reason, and then into these old wooden box speakers. And it I must have had my computer turned very loud. And so I fire up my computer one morning, and I'm in the other room. And that like Windows happens like when you turn on the computer. But that filter totally fried the sound and like added Mm -hmm. all this depth to it because it was running through the bass amp too and i was like holy shit what just happened and how can i recreate it you discovered gold yes and so (laughs) i was like well what happens if i play these tm century cds through that same filter system and that's Mm -hmm. how my first record happened yeah wow um so that's going on is that with NYK DLN or, or trademark century? Yeah. That was NYK DLN um, in my childhood. In my childhood on Sound. SunUp Recordings, if I recall. Yeah, so it was originally self-released, and then a few years later, when SunUp Recordings was happening, I was like, "Hey, man, I put this out like two years ago. Obviously, it didn't get much love because I'm nobody. Um, we should re-release it on SunUp, and and Marcus was was down for it. And, yeah, and- nice." There were like made to order tapes for it at the time, but I don't think any exist anymore. But um, I don't know. so obviously I'm still like kind of running shows. 
but less frequently. I'm running the radio show, I'm doing the blog, and then I graduate. So I move home, and me and my one friend decided to start a band. He was a brilliant guitarist, and he could drum too. Um, and so we started the band, which you can also find that record. It's called BP Golf. Oh, and nice. <laughs> so we started yeah. practicing and writing and playing out those songs and, and improvising a lot together and stuff like that. And so while we were doing that, I was like working in a machine shop, um, you know, just kind of, so a lot of solitary time in my head during the day and I'm still kind of running the the blog and i was like i remember one day i'm looking at all this cardboard we were throwing away and i was like you can make cd cases out of that and then the idea just hit me and it was like you should start a label Mm -hmm. and okay pause right there go back i realized i lost track earlier about how i started to get involved with all these artists i wanted exclusive content for the radio show so i started going on last fm and a thing that people would do back then is you would go to artists like James Ferraro or Luke Perry or whoever it might be. And new artists would post links to media fire files of their music in the comments. Mm-hmm. And so I like started FFO sort of thing. What's that for fans of FFO? Yeah, basically it was just like, like, you know, you would, you would, you would post a link to your record because if you're here listening to DuckTales, you'll probably like what I'm doing, you know, but mm-hmm. it was just like bedroom stuff. And so, um, that's how I met my first round of, of people. Um, Lockbox, Nature's Kid, um, Daytime Television, like nice, that's nice. how I met those people. Oh, uh, cool, man. It's it's he told me it was pronounced Hishlegier once, but it's it's spelled H L E G E R. There's mm-hmm. a few releases of his on Atlantis. Um, he and I became really close on there. Um, Christian Falardo from Holy Page um, was on there, and so nice. uh, we met all on Last FM so that I could play their music on my radio show, and that was like some of the first artists that ended up on Atlantis. So I had like this, this like direct contact with artists that no one else was working with yet. Mm-hmm. And when I started Atlantis, see, there was other stuff going on at the same time too. So backtrack again, back to like mid 2010, my senior year of college, um, everyone that was doing what I just explained started meeting up on Facebook and started groups and those groups were very similar to the old message boards and that's and, what you're still using to connect with these all of these artists right like right so like television and be like so, i'm connected to these 10 people and i'm connected to these 10 people and they'd mm-hmm. invite all of them and then we'd all start talking and that's when all of these like like this sort of explosion of net labels happened because there were a few before that but then it started really happening of like people like creating labels mm-hmm. and so that all of this music could be together instead of like specifically through media fire links or Bandcamp was started by then. So like on Bandcamp, um, trying to consolidate all that a little bit so that more people could more easily find similar artists. And there was even like, 
Well, not yet. But like, so everyone was meeting on these groups on Facebook. And that's when your different genres started to split off into what we know today. Mm. And then, so then like, fast forward again to like, mid to late 2011, I started Alanthus out of those groups, using the artists that I had direct connections with, and relationships with. And then and then you then you kind of get into the era of vaporwave Mm -hmm. so you you weren't really listening to like skeleton or echo jams or anything like that you you kind of took your own path with these musicians that sounded just happened to sound similar and then i guess kind of merged with these other artists eventually like vetroid and whatnot vectroid rather yeah in some ways so like some early artists that would be like influential for vaporwave i didn't have connection with specifically skeleton i mean to this day i don't know who that is um and and vectroid uh i haven't worked directly with vectroid before um but they were always adjacent to everything that was going on they were part of it exactly right um but my earliest idea of these sounds that would become vaporwave um I would identify like the earliest ideas I had of that. Obviously, I heard um, Echo Jams, um, Chuck Person. I got that off of um, a blog because that's how music was distributed back then was on blogs. Yeah, I, I, my old blog's still up too, man. So right, and <laughs> and they're and they're like history books now. You know, like they're amazing. To history look books. That is the term, my friend. That's a great. What's up? History books. Oh, they are it's I mean, so good. I sent you that link to Roberto Clemente rookie card. Like you go back to like 2010 and you can see when that Vectroid album came out, you know, Mm. or when, um, but like the earliest sounds of that, like the, the artist nature's kid. Oh dude, there's the diskette romances album here and the internet club too. This is right. Oh, the channel eight local news. Dude, this is fucked up. Are you looking at the blog? Yeah, yeah, I am now. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at this it now too. Cool sh- this um, is so cool, man. All right, I gotta link that. So <laughs> like, I was aware of that, but it wasn't a thing yet, right? And so I was influenced. I basically got permission in my mind to create solely sample-based work from like Chuck Person's Echo Jams. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this band called the Samps and they put out this record that came out like the week before mine called windows 69, I believe it was called. Okay. And I remember when that came out and I hadn't like officially published in my childhood yet. And I was like, well, shit, that's the same thing I just, did. <laughs> but like, that like really inspired me. And I was really inspired by like James Ferraro and Sana Ra. Like those are two names you'll always hear me say those two inspired me so much sonically and visually and um so vaporwave as it stands now like didn't exist yet so you had a few artists doing that um i and the big catalyst of of me recognizing that this was an emerging sound would have been casino gardens mm. and all of their aliases so um they released on beer in the rug mm-hmm. early too um and when the i believe a self-titled casino gardens album came out i was like okay something's happening 
like this is this is like the new sound and i think if you like look back on my blog like i call it new easy listening <laughs> because that's what it felt like yeah yeah elevator jazz. I, got, I got to i got to uh book casino gardens um both of them they played as casino gardens and angel one at one of our um at the one venue back in johnstown yeah in 2012 yeah. and so that was really cool damn this is so there was so much happening and the simultaneously i i explained that i came from this extremely vibrant local music scene which was mostly like indie bands punk bands metal bands the genres that were big in the mid 2000s like that's what people were making you had some people making weirder stuff and i thought they were all endlessly talented and like around 2007 two things happened um one a major a a good portion of the people who were creators in johnstown started an artist collective called my idea of fun Uh and then at the same time those same people got together and collectively rented a space downtown and converted it into a combination venue art gallery library hangout space yeah and at the same time, a bunch of people moved into the apartments above and next to that space. So all of a sudden, all of us had basically an entire building in downtown Johnstown. And that's when things got really creative. Wow. I mean, things always were creative, but like it got more avant-garde. Yeah. And so... I'm a part People of that pushing at the themselves. Same time while all of this stuff is happening online. And so obviously I booked a lot of shows. It was called 709 Railroad Street. Um, I booked a lot of shows there, um, did a lot of stuff there. Um, so that was all happening at the same time. And uh, I think I lost my train of thought at this point. It's a lot to uh, keep together. I need to make a flow chart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you were talking about that's how you got all the artists together and you got them on Atlantis with the beginnings of the label. That's why you started it. Right. So like out of these, um, at that point in time, I was still kind of young, still kind of self-conscious. I didn't feel like what I was doing was up to the par of the local musicians that I knew and was friends with or wasn't friends with yet. I was still a lot younger. You know, uh, like we weren't super close yet. And I was like, well, you guys are like musicians and I'm making, I'm focusing on this weird, uh, you know, <laughs> internet archaeology, stuff. internet is, music. That's what I was music, calling it. Yeah. I'm doing internet music. You now guys are in the great prog band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't touch your prog band or your folk band because you're so good. And we are, are, are sampling dial up sounds. And so, like, um, I mean, obviously that that perspective changed in time, um, and I ultimately like I released a lot of local music, not a lot, but like a decent bit of local music on Atlantis too. Like like in the Astro Hound is local to Johnstown. Um, C Scott and the Belltones is local to Johnstown, mm. um, and he's like one of my closest friends to this day. Um, there's there's a few there, but. Um, anti-corn leak was from johnstown but um so these were things were all happening at the same time but bringing it back to like vaporwave um 
I started noticing that emerging sound and I fell in love with it right away. I was in love with Casino Gardens because it was this like cleaner, more obvious version of what I loved about James Ferraro and Spencer Clark and mm. like the Peace Age bands. Um, like it was, it was like a, a cheesier version of that because that was really dissonant and nihilistic and psychedelic. Whereas this was too, but it kind of sounded like it could be uh, uh, an orange juice commercial at the same mm-hmm. time, or like I'm sitting at the beach. So it was like mixing like DuckTales vibes with James Ferraro, and it was it was perfect. And then the changes started to come. New Dreams Limited happened, Fuji Grid TV, those Vectroid Vaporwave mm-hmm. albums. Mm-hmm. Um, Information Desk. Yes. And so I can still remember the first time I listened to those albums. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. And I remember being like, this is the new stuff. Like, this is. No, that is so cool, man. Oh, I would. I wonder how many people. I was working at a machine shop and I was literally sorting and unloading boxes of shotgun shells for the the (laughs) ammunition side of the company that I worked (laughs) And I'm listening to Fuji Grid TV and I was like, this is. This is the best thing I've ever heard, and I don't even know what this is. What what album was it? Um, the um, the one with the two ladies on the front. Um, what is Fuji Sup- Grid? Sapporo Contemporary? No, it was before that. Um, Prism Genesis. Oh, sorry. So, okay, like, okay. that album, and I was just like, whoa. And at the same time, I was really into Ryan Howe, who was putting out, like, Punks on Mars at the time. And um, Zach Mearing, who was Raw Thrill's greatest hits, um, all those like New York projects. I was mm-hmm. really into that too because it was this like pastiche of like super hyper pop music. It was like it was like Prince, but on a lot of drugs and in a basement somewhere. And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> um, so I was like really into That's all that. That's like the like, perfect combination for you, right? Exactly. <laughs> like this music was made for me. And so, um, like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm going on so many tangents because there are so many tangents when it Bring comes them on. to how it, how it happened. And so, like, through those groups, like, you know, I just started connecting with more and more and more and more people. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it started to develop its own identity. Obviously, I discontinued um, the RCRC blog. I obviously wasn't in college radio anymore. I did have a stint in professional radio where I was a DJ and a salesperson. But if anyone knows me, they know I'm not a salesman. And so that didn't last too long. And um, I'd love to hear you as a radio DJ. I, I voice. terrible. I mean, I think I did cool on the college radio, but like pro- professional radio, it, it, it's not yeah, my stint. It's a little more formal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I can't, I'm not as passionate about what was playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm on this, like, you know, top 40 from the 80s station or something. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got nothing on this. But, um, so, yeah, like, at this point, we're into, like, 2012. I'm starting to make music pretty consistently, and it's just a regular part of my lifestyle. I'm experimenting more and more and more. The label is starting to develop its own identity, and able to recognize like what fits here and what doesn't i'm connected with so many artists that are consistently putting out work too 
and and then it just kind of snowballed from there then the music mm-hmm. kind of hit and it got more popular started getting coverage on websites and stuff and other labels start coming in exactly exactly and so um i can't think of timelines but like the contemporaries of the beginning of Atlantis um definitely would have been sun up recordings illuminated paths fortune 500 there were others that i was tangentially connected to but never directly collaborated with like um what about Vito? because i know or his other label uh, vcr he came a little later like it's it's weird because now time seems like it moves so fast but back then time seems like it moves so slow I feel like Vito st- came around like 2013, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Yeah, true, true. Um, but he was instantly like so full of passion and so ready to go. And he yeah. was working with amazing artists. He was introducing artists. He was putting out his own work, obviously. Um, he just jumped in and was like, hey, guys, I got a lot to offer. You know, yeah. so instantly a lovable guy, and it's been a pleasure anytime I've collaborated with him. I know um, I've released one or two records with him, and he's released a handful with me. Mm-hmm. Um, super support his work. Um, he, yeah. he was a really good dude. Yeah, I love that guy. I mean, he still is. He's, he's yeah, still <laughs> for sure. He's still releasing new albums. That new Dan Mason, check it out. His other alias. Wait, forget no, forget the name. Yeah, Ghost oh, Enterprise. I, wait, That's Dan, Dan Mason's Mason. not Vito. No, he's oh. Ghost Enterprise, which Vito just released. DMT's just, still uh, still releasing stuff, you know, because he said he wouldn't. Took a break, you know. So if people want to know, there's more music being put out on DMT still. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. That's really good to know because I thought he stopped. Yeah. And there's that's there's there's been a newer a one. There, oh, I, I think he just did a forecast, a FFF forecast. That's one of his projects. I'm gonna have to revisit it then. I yeah, that. check it out. I, I know I got an email. I thought you said Vito and Dan were the same person, and I was like, wait a second. No. <laughs> How would they get on the 3D cast? They. Exactly. I'm like, I think I've it was all a big ruse <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Randy's very sneaky. Play, like literally doing interviews as two different people. Yeah. No wonder they never spoke at the same time. Yeah, right. I never <laughs> seen them in the same room. What's going on there? Yeah. Um, um what about uh Beer Wizard? When did they come around? I know they had like Lord Sun. I and... wanna say that was more like 2014, 2015. See, there okay, was like so it was really just the the handful of you guys, the th- like three labels or so. Sun up you and you uh, fortune it. 500 For, and illuminated uh, paths illuminated illuminated paths, paths. It, it was originally ran by um public spreads the news not, not josh i think his name is right the new he guy. took it over ah because like there was this it thing all we comes together so, so like around 2011 into 2012 um we started because okay so there were multiple groups on facebook at the time there was this main hub called sewer grates and that was like the main hub and and controversy grew out of that as time went on and more people went on and stuff so i won't speak to that but like that group is where everything started it was this group called sewer grates and then 
different groups spun out of it. There were two that were focused more on a lot more inclusive, a lot more high, I hate to say the word like this, but like high quality, like higher fidelity maybe would be a better way to say it. Sure, um, okay. And a lot more visuals. That's where like Dior Days and Dior Nights is where I believe they, the origins of the more 3D aspects of Vaporwave came from. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the like using, uh, I don't even know how to describe it because I don't have the words for it. Those but if you think of like 80s uh, computer graphics, less of that and more of that, like, how do you describe it? That's where like sea punk look visuals came from. Oh, okay. So, so more, like, like um, looking stuff. Yeah, what was it? Coral Records Internationals. Exactly. So like stuff like that. Uh, Ultra, Ultra Demon. That's the, that's the guy. Right. So like that stuff is coming out of there. Um, John O'Malo, who's day, daytime television, um, I believe he and sh- and teams ran those groups if oh, I remember nice. correctly. And I should go back and say that daytime television was doing vaporwave like two years before anyone else like his earliest stuff just straight up was vaporwave but never was described of as like never described as it um and he's made like incredible work and he always pushed the limits of of the genre and i believe now he's just like doing more like podcast type stuff um he's not creating Mm -hmm. much anymore but um He's super influential in, in all of it as well. And so he ran those groups. And then the big one that's essential to Vaporwave is there was a very tiny group called Xerox, Fash, Xerox Fax Machines Superheroes. And it was ran by the artist Police Academy Dropout, who has a release on Helanthus. Um, and that group was started as a little enclave for the people who were really inspired by James Ferraro. Uh. That group had all of your early vaporwave artists in it. Mm. Um, it had him, myself, Luxury Elite, Lincoln, St. Pepsi, Vectroid, Internet Club. All those people were in that group. To this mm. day, I mean, no one's used it for 10 years, but like to this day, there's only like 25 people in that group. And that's where people doubled down on the idea of sampled loops, um, television references, radio references, um, old distorted technology references. That stuff just really, really cooked in that group. And and that's that's in my opinion, like that's that's where like the origins of the community specific to vaporwave itself not necessarily mm-hmm. like internet music but but vaporwave um you go back to that group and all all of your earliest artists are in there how did you guys like name the group i don't know um police academy dropout named it but i don't know what it comes from i'm pretty mm. sure he had a song called that mm, okay. and it could have been named after that um i don't know what the name comes from but I think it's like I think it's influenced by the type of imagery. If I were to guess, um, I would say it's influenced by the type of imagery that 
Ferraro was putting out at the time. Yeah. Xerox, obviously, there's a lot of Xerox imagery. Um, fax machine, antiquated technology, mm-hmm. superheroes, this idea of like larger than life concepts, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm philosophizing it a bit too much, but like, um, I don't know where that name came from. But we all gladly participated in that group because, yeah. you know, in, in those bigger groups, like if you were in sewer grates, you had like initially everybody was all like super tight, but then you started to notice different camps. So you had people who were really into witch house, people who were really into like what was called post internet music at the time. And that was your really experimental, um, we can do anything type of music. Um, your people who were still using traditional instruments and field recordings and stuff. And that's, that's where, um, son of recordings sort of came from. And then you had your people that were into the vaporwave side of things and people who were doing higher quality stuff that might get on like pitchfork or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you had all of them together, but then they started splintering off into different groups that were specific to each niche. And so they're the one that I participated in highly for the next few years was called living room visions. Mm. And, um, that group was ran by myself and Marcus Eads who ran sun up recordings. Yep. Um, who you also released. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, 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 that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, so like Marcus and I have collaborated extensively and, and shared so many artists, you know what I mean? So many people have released on Sunup and on Atlantis. And for a minute there, like we were doing kind of things in tandem, like there was the consideration of Living Room Visions itself as a collective of artists. And so there were a few compilation uh, tapes put out. Um, in fact, there was one that had like four tapes and it came in like a bubble thing, like Disney VHS come in. Oh, yeah. Um, I wish I would have bought that back then. But um, so like Living Room Visions was was a, a really big concept and Vaporwave was really celebrated in there because Sunup was releasing a lot of Vaporwave. Atlantis was releasing Vaporwave. And obviously, Fortune 500 was involved in it too. Um, Luxury Elite was was a part of all three of those groups. Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah, I, I want to feel- know. I want to know like how Luxury Elite and St. Pepsi and SPF 420 kind of roll in there. Because I know. So, yeah, go ahead. That's really cool because SPF 420. Um, I think that that was so ahead of its time because they were throwing online shows in like 2012 um there were spf 420 shows and there were dior days shows that were called hd ghettos i played in hd ghettos back then in like 2012 or Mm -hmm. 2011 um but they were doing like online shows like in this past year we've seen like now you go online and you watch the new Bruce Springsteen show or something like that, right? But like in 2012, they were doing online shows just just like just like um, Late Night Lights, but like nine years ago, yeah, with the visuals, with the chat, with mm-hmm. the live music, and they really and- uh, just for a second, I want to talk about like the websites they put together with the integrations. Even the way they're still doing it today is very reminiscent of that time. Is it? Yeah, I'm yeah. not familiar with how the site looks now. It's it's very crude, you know. It looks like an old Tumblr site, and that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I think a lot of, I think a lot of, um, you know, what we, I think everybody's like this, but whatever era you came up in is kind of what you stick with. And that's what it is for the time. Yeah. I'm looking at this website now. Um, they, they add more to it when there's actually a show going on. Okay. There's more like cool chat integrations and stuff and they look, you know, quite old. <laughs> right. And, and so that almost plays into the idea of, of what everybody was doing to begin with is playing on nostalgia of those earlier times, whether right. it be the, you know, idyllic forgotten past that we weren't there for, you know, like the early eighties or something that we might not have been alive for versus mm-hmm. like reminiscing on message boards and MySpace and and that type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think um, having a website that looks like it's from 2012 in 2021 is kind of the same idea as in 2012 making something look like it came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of cool that they're they're sticking with that because now we have so many more points of reference we have so many more influences but we still have that same perspective on it you know yeah absolutely hence my html and symbol (laughs) there it is right that all that just to explain that title folks But uh, I'll make sure to link the living room recordings or living room vi- visions album uh, that four tape set you're talking about in the description oh, yeah. as well. That's a yeah, really cool helps. comp. I've not had the pleasure of checking out. Um, if you can hear the dogs in the background, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. I can't. All right. So on the topic of this, actually, are we? I don't think we're quite finished with the whole rolling in in of the SPF 420 and luxury elite of how like they got involved. Yeah. How you guys sort of connected and it was all eventually molding itself or gravitating toward what we call vaporwave, right? You guys, some of you called it vaporwave at the time. Some of you were, were actually trying to do that sort of stuff like sample chops and that type of experimenting. But you guys, as labels, released more and more Vaporwave. You stopped with the like instrumental kind of stuff. You know, same with Sunup as well. Mm. You know, so like, how did the you guys kind of take that initial group from Living Room Visions and these Facebook groups you were talking about, uh, and remold yourselves to continue? to survive you could say i think i would say that it's almost like a uh almost like a zeitgeist type of thing whereas um that's what was happening and so more of it was available more people were getting into doing it and so we were connected with those people through groups and things like that and so like hey my new record it's a it's a vaporwave record well, hey, you're 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 my friend, so I'm gonna put out your record if it's a recording of you sitting outside in a field for the next forty minutes. Like I'm down. Like I just want to release your work. I want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And and it just so happened like it was around. 
I noticed a big shift around, um, like there was a lot of Vaporwave already coming out. Um, but when Internet Club's Dreams 3D came out, it got a it got a an article on some website that's escaping me right now. The writer was Adam Harper, who spoke a lot on Vaporwave back then. Uh, oh, I know it. Uh, dummy Meg. Is it was it Dummy Meg? Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was or not. That name kept coming to my head. But after that came out, that came that came out right when I released dreams 3d for internet club and um it kind of exploded from there and then within the next year future funk happened and then mm. within the next year um vapor trap happened um i don't know what that's called now i still call it vapor trap but like um you know there started to be more experimentations on that theme yeah and then from there it just kind of snowballed into well, this is a vapor trap album with with themes of the environment, and this is a future funk album with themes of anime, or this is a vaporwave album with themes of post capitalism. You know, whatever it might be, it just each one morphed into its own genre in and of itself. So, yes, that's sort of true, or like a collections of albums, kind of gravitate and take their own pathway sort of thing especially right. as other labels and artists start to come in like uh i don't know cosmic cycler you put his album out a couple albums after you put out luxury elite for example so it just starts to snowball like you said did you say snowball yeah, oh yeah uh, well, snowball yeah. is definitely <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> yeah because like especially on Atlantis, like i mean there's a lot of variety there throughout you know like i have like there are full on rock albums on Atlantis. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because my approach always was, this is more about outsider music, DIY music and friendship. Yeah. And community. You know? And so like, it's if a great you are my friend and we vibe on different stuff and you're making an album in your bedroom or your giant studio, I don't know what, where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Um, if it's a, a, a metal or a hardcore record and we're on the same wavelength, I'm down to put it out. And so I think that's one thing that kind of separates me from what, or not me, I'm sorry, um, separates Atlantis from as things snowballed and more labels started to generate um, is I never tried to necessarily pigeonhole as this is a vaporwave label. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's an internet music label or it's an outsider music label or it's an avant-garde label yeah. um, and it can en encompass a lot of things where i think nowadays and and i think it's natural i don't think there's anything wrong with it um but now like if you're going to start a label i would imagine it would be like i want to start a vaporwave label i want to start a future funk label i want to start a hardcore label and you're not going to blend all of those because those communities and those genres are are established now yeah Whereas yeah when Atlantis started there was no established genre there was just a bunch of like people in their early 20s or teens or in some cases like in their 40s and 50s like making some weirdo music that didn't belong anywhere else but you all had a home here oh that's so nice and I think the, but, the increase in how much vaporwave came out is reflective of how much vaporwave exploded and how yeah. much 
resonated with it and started making it more and more and more. Because mm -hmm. you I mean, have I'm to ask good. yourself, I don't know if, I don't think your label did, like you said, but some labels, uh, especially as more labels come up, there's more competition and you like have to start carving a channel out for yourself to really offer something to an audience, right? Yeah, um, so we so we start to saw that, but I do want to give a shout out to other vaporwave labels that are still doing that, like um, Virtua ninety four, for example. They'll put out a metal album, you know, on their label, and it's mostly vapor, electronic kind of stuff. So, but anyway, <laughs> and and I think that's something that's that there's something to be said about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know how to put this into words. Um, and, and this isn't even where I was going, but let's just say, like, shout out Fire Tools. Yeah. Like, whoa, can you believe, like, what Fire Tools is? It's yeah. literally, like, black metal and vaporwave and electronic all together. And it's gorgeous. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think there's something to be said about the people behind the music and what that means and what mm. the community means because your best friend might be into metal and your best friend might be into country and your best friend might be into rap but you all still hang out and have some drinks together right and so why can't we all work together on this you know what i mean mm -hmm. and and that's kind of the the approach i have on it is because everyone's so so different and uh, i i think i owe a lot of that too to my local scene because when i used to book shows I prided myself back then on, you know, like something I loved to do was, okay, like here would be a typical show. The opener is going to be somebody as their first or second show, right? They're one of the people in the community. They're one of the people in the scene. You know, Joey has a new band, so they're going to open. The second one is the one that people are really into, you know, but then like we're going to have a metal band punk band an indie band an acoustic band a folk band an electronic artist all in the same show so that everyone's taken care of mm -hmm. and we're all friends anyways like we're all gonna go party afterwards together anyways so let's all play a show all the vibes come together and i i think that the thing about music communities is that it's more about the people behind it than the product itself like what comes out because like we're all like the same type of people it's just that you know i might be a guitarist in a heavy metal band and you might be a rapper but like we we get along you know what i mean like we're we're friends and so these things shouldn't necessarily be segregated of like well you make future funk so you can't play our vaporwave show because we're doing <laughs> 80s commercial flips and you're doing 80s city pop flips like what's the big difference there you're still friends you know what i mean so like <laughs> you don't belong here <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i understand i, I think i think in vapor I, so far it's been pretty good but it is nice to have a more catered or refined vibe sometimes too I agree. I, I that's what I was just gonna say is like nowadays it makes sense because, like like we said, the the genres are established now, and so if I'm not into future funk, 
I don't want to sit through a half hour of future funk waiting for the next late night lo-fi band to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure that happens on Atlantis. I'm sure people like I upload a new album. Well, this is a noise album. This is a two hour noise album. I like vaporwave, so I'm not going to download this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then the noise, the person who likes noise He's like, oh, great. This is a two-hour noise album. This is fantastic. I'm not into that, like, children's commercial 12-minute record. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And so so I, I think there's about... something for it now to keep things separated. But, like, my um, my approach is always going to be, like, if, if we're cool, it's cool. Like, let's put mm -hmm. it out. Yeah, just make the music available. Who mm -hmm. cares what it looks like, like with everything else on the label? I kind of right. take that approach. Oh God! <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. Bless you. I knew. Bless with you. Um, my partner at Legendary, at Legendary oh. Entertainment, a sister label to Tiger Blood. That's oh, just anything that. instrumental. Well, we're down to put it out. You know, Tiger oh, Blood is much more refined and catered. You know, I didn't realize you ran Tiger Blood. I don't I run it. I, I'm, I run Tiger it with Blood. with my partner. He it's his label. Uh, he started it a couple years ago, and Legendary Entertainment's been around for so long, like fifteen years or something. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that might be yes. why I missed it. Yeah, like our. Like we we our distribution is with Universal Music, oh, for example. Shit. Yeah, damn. So it's pretty it's pretty cool. If if anyone's listening wants to check out Legendary Entertainment, we'll put pretty much anything out as long as it's mostly instrumental. That um, wouldn't happen to be connected to like Legendary the like the movie studio, right? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. You're worried about talking to me. You're doing some big time stuff, man. No, it's funny though because Tiger Blood <laughs> is, <laughs> and, and Tiger Blood is like a joke on the emojis, right? Right. Like, like bringing you back to that era of the early internet when emojis first started coming out. Right. It has nothing to do with Charlie Sheen. Okay, we'll set the record straight right here. <laughs> Oh I think they might have asked me that on hot takes actually, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, yeah. Um, run it with Crunk Chris, my dear, dear, sweet homie. He's the best. So uh, hit us up. Anyway, um, yeah, it's nice to have room for both, I guess. You know, it's 2021. And now there's there's every type of label you can imagine. <laughs> I know. It's amazing now. Like, Okay, so starting um, more history on me, in like 2014, I went back to school and got a second bachelor's degree and then ended okay. up going on to get a, a master's from there. Oh, nice. When I, hey, thanks. Um, when I started um, going back to school, I had like an hour-long drive to the university every day. And um, there was so much music coming out that what I would do is every week I would go on to Bandcamp and I would go to new releases and I had specific tags, Vaporwave, Future Funk, Vapor Trap, Echo Jams, 
Um, you know, there was a few different Plunderphonics, ones. Yeah. And I would download every single record that appealed <laughs> to me that came out that week. Yeah. And then I would just listen to them on shuffle because I had this long drive. Mm-hmm. And I would just listen to whatever was new on shuffle for the whole ride. And to this day, I still do that. My Oh, you're cutting out. We're, we're, we're going to have to take that one again. Oh, um, opening, hello. Oh, shit. Hey. Hello. I poured myself a nice glass of soju. What's that? Soju? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's amazing. It's like, I think it's Japanese rice wine, maybe. It's like sweetened. Very nice. My girlfriend. Look it up here. Soju. Joking the other night because I. uh, she was gone, and I, I like got her this real nice bottle of wine, mm-hmm. and I poured it, and she's like, "This is, you know," and I'm like, "It's not sweet enough." She's like, "No." <laughs> so I, Can you go get that cheap stuff that's like ten bucks for a Because I like that, and I'm like, "All right, suit yourself." Yeah. So I went and got that, and I'm like, "All right." <laughs> well, it's so cute. It's a nice like, thought. Don't buy me fancy wines. I don't like them. <laughs> Soju is a colorless distilled alcoholic be- beverage of Korean origin. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's it's kind of sugary, honestly. But like, I love it. Is it like thick, like soda? Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's like a syrupy almost. You, right. you sip it. Interesting. <laughs> Unless you want to have a real fun time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, what were you saying before it uh, screwed up? Um, oh, well, I was just... I, I we were talking off. about, like, labels. I mentioned Virtua 94 and... Oh, I having was, room for both sets of things in 2021. Well, the, the thing I was saying was... Um, like my listening methods went from like there were enough artists that I could spend specific time with each album for a long time. And then around 2014, 2015, there was so much coming out and I wanted so much of it that I would download everything that came Mm. out. I mean, not everything, like if something didn't appeal to me, and obviously, like, we all know there's, like, a lot of meme records out there that are just, I don't even know if they're good. They could be fantastic. But, like, if, if and that speaks to the visual aspect of Vaporwave. But, like, if it doesn't speak to me, like, I'm probably not going to check it out, mm-hmm. um, either through, like, the language used on it or the visuals. Um, but I would download yeah. all that, and then I would listen to it, um, you know, on my commutes. And... Um, get this like the way that i would perceive it was like i would get this impression of the moment in time and so like i had this uh, and i'm a very like organized and like ritualistic person and so i would download like everything that came out each week and then after like a certain period of time 
the albums that came out before the certain period of time, I would delete off of my phone and just keep moving it up. So let's just say I make mm. up a time I can't remember anymore. But like, let's say it was like a three month time span. Once you hit that three month period, I would delete it off my phone and keep adding, right? And I'd keep that going for years so that I always had like a gist of what was happening in the community at the moment. Yeah. And that honestly led to a lot of, um, you know, Alanthus isn't like defunct or done or anything, but we've only put out one record in the past two years. Um, but like that speaks to what I was doing towards those later years of Alanthus was, um, you know, I'd be listening to them and everything was good or I didn't like something or I really liked something, but like sometimes something would stick out to me. And this is how it always was, but something would stick out to me and I'd be like, I want to know more. So I would mm. listen to that whole record and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I got to find out who this is. I got to reach out to them. I want to put out their next record. And that's why like in, in those later years, you start to see me like introducing more and more different artists is because I heard something of theirs that really spoke to me and I wanted to work with them. And so, whereas earlier on, there was a lot of like, hey, you're my friend, let's put out your next record, let's work mm -hmm. on that. Later on, that, that still existed. So, like, I had, like, that solid stable of people that I had ongoing conversations and friendships with. And, you know, every couple records, it'd be, you know, we'd work together on it. But then later on, I started like reaching out to people I didn't know and saying like, hey, I really loved XYZ and I'm wondering if you're working on anything else. Um, I run this label, Atlantis. I'd love to have you on it. And then that would generally create, you know, new friendships and new relationships. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I feel like that's how I, I mean, I was going to say, I think that's how me and Vito hooked up, but like. Um, I feel like he was in the groups too. And so like we saw what each other were doing and it just kind of happened organically. But there's yeah. definitely a lot of people where it was like, hey, what you did on that record was fantastic. I want to work with you. And and we kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'll often sit back and think, it's cool to be like, this is going to sound pretentious. It's cool to be like ahead of your time in some ways because you're like, oh, I released that first or something like that, right? But... Um, it kind of sucks because <laughs> if I were doing this now with the way I understand everything now versus the way I did in 2011, I could make a career off of this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we could, you could really yeah. work with these people and be like, let's take this to the next level. You know, let's, let's, let's play this out on tours. Let's. Uh, you know, let's professionally produce stuff. Let's get license rights to use sample. Like, let's let's make this real. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. or you know, in the standard sense of the word, like it's all very real. But you know what I mean? Like, let's make this legit. Let's press this. Let's let's release it. Let's sell it. Let's let's make money. You know what I mean? Like, let's make a career off of this, so we don't have Idea to. Have yeah, exactly. Idea being live off of it make a career exactly whereas like it's literally been a labor of love 
<laughs> like, and, yeah. and I don't, I'm not apologetic for that. Like I wouldn't have it any other way at this point. Um, but you know, you look back and you think, you know, if I, if I would have had the hindsight that I have now mm. and went all in at the beginning, mm. what could have we done with this? But, I, but then at the same yeah, time, like, at my heart, like I'm a DIY, you know, no frills type of person. And so would I want that? You know what I mean? I kind of love the fact that this is organic. We're not expecting anything out of each other. We're not trying to make a living out of it. There's no pressure. It's all love. And, mm -hmm. and I think, I think, you know, in my heart of hearts, that's, that's what's important to me. But, you know, sometimes when you're driving to the day job, you wonder, oh, it'd be nice to just mix a record for someone today instead. <laughs> you know? Right. Or be on tour, you know? Mm -hmm. Regarding some of those relationships you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, by the way, are you using headphones or were you before and you're not now maybe? I wasn't and I am not. Has my audio changed? I can hear myself a lot now. Oh, no. Um, no, nothing's changed here. Okay, well, we'll, we'll try it out. Is it, it distracting? Oh, I just don't want it to be in the recording. Well, I'll tell you what. My, uh, my girlfriend's home. I can see if she has my headphones. Oh, okay. Let me check real quick. Yeah, check. Okay, I didn't hear it. it before, but I just heard it. Okay, give me one sec. I got headphones. Hey. I see why I couldn't find them today. <laughs> Give me a yeah. sec here. All tangled up. I'm pretty sure it wasn't coming through before. It can be really distracting when you're hearing yourself on the phone. Yeah, more more so though, I just don't want the audience to hear it. Hear an echo? Yeah. What? What? Where were we? <laughs> I think I was still talking about how I listen to music. Yeah. Did, did you have a thought you wanted to finish? No, I think I did. I think it was just like talking about how in the past I relied on um, who I already knew. But then as yeah. time went on, I, I uh, started venturing out and reaching out to people that I didn't. And also mm -hmm. responding to people that would like email me or message me and say, hey, I like your label. Um, you know, would you be interested? And then if mm -hmm. I was, I would. And if I wasn't, obviously, I would so how did you connect with laser laser ship stereo mm. he is one of the earliest ones that i worked with um he was on actually the second release on Atlantis. yeah it was laser ship stereo um he oh my gosh what was the... hold on a second just get romances no it was way before that um oh, okay so during the like last FM era, there was a net label called Maba Tapes, M-A-B-A. -A. Okay. And it was, I think it was ran by this guy who went by planes. And he released a record by laser ship stereo but it was under a different name and even discogs doesn't even have it oh my Mavitapes gosh 2011 is it boy mtn purgatorio no so boy mountain is another person that i um worked with a lot that's the person that started um sewer grades oh awesome yeah 
Um, okay. Oh, I'm looking at here. They have Hishla Gear on here. They have the Electric Nature. I actually played with Electric. That was a cool thing. In 2011, there there were Sewer Grates live shows. Oh. And they were called, like, location showcases. So there was a Northeast showcase, a Southeast showcase, a West Coast. Like, they had them in, like, major areas mm-hmm. in the country. And um, I played the Northeast showcase. And I played with Go Slow, who is a like cloud rap before cloud rap even was thought of. <laughs> um, and the Electric Nature, who he played an electric guitar through a desktop computer. Um, and myself and Shisa, who was from Pittsburgh, and he played electronic music. And that was, and as well as, uh, what was that other band called? It was a guy and a woman. Oh, their name is escaping me right now. But um, in any case, yeah, he's not on here. What the heck was it? In any case, he had a project before Laser Shit Stare that was more of a noise drone found sound type of project. Mm. And that I bet you Lux I, would know. He, she probably would, um, because. It's escaping me right now. It was beer, beer something. Was it beer mountain or it was something like beer mountain? <laughs> I bet if I look back on the the Roberto Clemente rookie card blog, <laughs> it's on there. Honestly, oh, it is. I would imagine so. Yeah, I would imagine it is because uh, that's how I originally met him, and then he um, ended up being in those same groups, and we worked together from there. And he and I—it's funny—he and I used to talk about um, New Jack Swing and like '80s R and B and '90s R and B and stuff, and that's so influential on Lasership Stereo. Mm. And uh, we used to talk about that all the time. Because um, that's how it ended up that um, on my album, Post Radio, there is a track that is just the song Poison by Bill Poe, not altered in any way, except that I'm recording myself playing it through my car speakers uh, off of a cassette. (laughs) And it's part of the album. Yeah. And that was like around the time that he and I were talking a lot about uh, New Jack Swing. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't Crazy. remember his name. Was it Boy Snacks? Like Beer Mountain or something like that. Mm. I can't remember. It's a shame. I should remember that. Well, in any case, it'll come to me at some point. I'll message you at like three in the morning and say, it was this. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Cool. That's a great uh, story. Uh, and you mentioned another label I want to talk about briefly, Polly Page Records. That's a record you were featured on quite some time ago. Um, how did you connect with those guys and what exactly is their label and all that? So Holy Page Records was ran by um, this guy named Christian Filardo, who I believe was from... Arizona, I believe. Okay. And I first met him. He was another person that we connected on Last FM. Um, he had a project called Vladi Divac, which is named after obviously the uh, 
the obscure Lakers player from the 90s. But it was spelled with like two V's and two D's or something like that. Mm. And it was this really like droned out electronic stuff, maybe some sample based stuff. I'd have to revisit it to see what he was like really doing. That's another difference between now and then. Like now I can tell what people are doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you use this and then did this to it. And like I figured out a lot about how music works. Whereas back then, I'm mm-hmm. just like, these are weird sounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, and I liked it. And, um, but, um, we connected that way, and then it, uh, he was one of the first net labels. Um, yeah. Holy Page Records was. Um, he and I talked a lot, and he started Holy Page Records and had his whole own stable of artists that he worked with too. Some of which I loved. Like I loved some of those records that he put out. I was really into it. And he was one of the, like, original group of people that was on Sewer Grades. And obviously he was contributing, like, a pretty significant level of content at the beginning. Because, you know, none of us ran labels or anything yet. You know, we were just making some music and talking. But he already had a label out. He did the artwork for for every record. Like, every record would have, like, the artist artwork and then the artwork he would make for it. So I made... um, in like early 2011 i made like a one like a one track piece called duck and dale new and um which i would love to revisit sometime and just take the high end out a little bit it like hurts your ears to listen mm. to it but it was like really influenced by sun Ra at the time um it was like my second thing i ever put out and he released that as a single and made his own artwork for it and um that was the first time I like worked out with somebody else and um, really great dude. I think in the, in the time since then, I mean, he, he did Holy page for a long time. And then to my knowledge, like we sort of lost connection. You know how that happens on the net. You know what I mean? People get involved. It's in tragic, man. It is. It, it I really think about is. that a lot actually. Yeah, there's like, man, I haven't talked to you in like six years. You know what I mean? Like, it, that sucks. But, you know, it is what yeah. it is. And, or it um, was a username on IRC that stopped logging on, and now you'll never know how to talk to them. Right, right. You'll never know, like, what happened to them. Are they all right? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they working on now? Mm-hmm. Um, but he worked on that for a while, and then um, I feel like he, at some point, through the group's, outside of me either collaborated with a Johnstown artist like he either released something with somebody from Johnstown like on my idea of fun maybe even or somebody from Johnstown released something with him but I'll never forget one time I was in my friend's car and he has a pile of tapes in the back seat and I look and there's a a Christian Falardo record I'm like dude you know this guy and he's like oh yeah he's cool I'm like I like I've known this guy for like five years. Like, uh, how do you how do you have this? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it was uh, the artist on Atlantis, like at the Astro Hound. It was his. It was, I was with him, and he had a copy of it. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, yeah, we work together in some way." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's crazy." Um, but I think to this day, I think Christian focuses more now on visual art, which was always a major passion of his. And um, 
I want to say he's like, he like publishes visual art and photography. Um, maybe has some merch like clothes or art or like physical art or something like that like i said we unfortunately lost um kind of lost touch over the years uh, no falling out or anything like that just kind of went different directions it happens. Um, but, you get caught up in new things and before you know it exactly you're and, not doing uh, the old stuff anymore <laughs> he was he was a fantastic guy and um i'm still to this day grateful that he was the first label to take a chance at my really weird stuff and uh be kind and celebratory of it and um i got the fortune of his his release um under the artist name good amount was actually the first alanthus release oh yeah And and then we released um one under his like under his name christian filardo um in like 2012 or 2013 somewhere around Mm. there but um, he was he was a lot more um, drone noise um, oriented, not necessarily vaporwave or anything. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was a great label, and he worked with a lot of those like Maba tapes, Electric Nature, those types of people too, and leaned into a lot more like um, rock adjacent stuff as well. Mm, nice. Yeah, the Holy Page Records. Everybody, check them out. Yeah, that is a lot um, of good stuff on there. <laughs> there's a lot of good music on there. It's like you can see on some of the, on this label, and there's another label I want to talk to you about. You can see like the ideas of vaporwave start to form. Absolutely. Um, what is it? Exotapes. Yeah. They they put out uh, media fired. Yeah, and the big one for them was um, they did a daytime television as well. That's right. Um, yeah. Youth with Skull, I think, came out on there. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't I'm a big that. I'm a big daytime television fan. Um, yeah. But like um I'll that's also, how you, I knew you that. You mentioned that daytime television releasing Vaporwave, you know, in maybe two thousand eight or something like that. Where would we go to find that? Um let me look here. All I can say um type in daytime television I hurt so much Vimeo. And watch that video. It came out okay. in 2010. Okay, so it was 2010. Okay. Cool, man. But just watch the music video for the song I Hurt So Much. Yeah, we'll link it as well. So and it looks like it, it came out last week. Nice, man. <sighs> like, it's it's so good. It's one of my favorite songs. It's one of my favorite, like, everything he's done is is just so amazing and he's always been like such a good dude it it really does like these are the exact visuals that vaporwave visualists have been making for the live sets like uh right vhs and you're um, looking at it you're watching it yeah i'm skipping through yeah i'm doing the same thing i'm just kind of switching through it and yeah yeah, have it muted and and just kind of looking at it using some sort of video hardware analog and and wait till you listen to the audio of it oh yeah of course yeah it's perfect like it's so perfect and i really credit him honestly specifically like specifically him um i don't know if you pronounce it jono or jono it's j-o-n-o um malo m-i-l-o um he's have he has had an extensive body of work and in my opinion, the visual style that that we still lean to to this day 
is in a large part um, goes back to his work. Mm-hmm. I would love to interview him. Oh my god! I hey, I can I can maybe see if I can set you guys up. Hey, if you if you don't mind, feel free to say hi. And he's I'd a love super to nice myself. dude. He's a super nice dude, and he um, he's you know he knows his stuff, and I'm sure he has a lot to talk about too. Yeah, um, he's he's pretty phenomenal, pretty phenomenal artist. Awesome. I remember there's a catalyst, and I think this was. It was called before its time because when it came out, the the tagline for it and what we would all say in the groups was, um, see, back back then, there was literally like, I don't understand technology very much, but there was this idea of like internet 2.0 happened, like something on it, like a an actual like interface level of like how the internet works, like something yeah, changed at a certain th- part. There's actually a great a video like that quickly summarizes the change when we switched over in like 10 minutes, but it's basically the birth of e-commerce. Like when it really started to pick up and okay. websites started to support uh, better versions of code and whatnot, Java. So there was like more feedback back and forth. probably. Yeah, exactly. More interactivity. So when we all got on Facebook and befriended one another and started these groups, we called it second internet and <laughs> and um that is the coolest thing oh my god second had, internet right so it, that was like a big term that we used back then was second second internet and he had this project at the time called team jordan um team with two m's jordan with two n's and it was a collaboration with the artist teams who is now Eve's tumor is what they go by now or released by now, or at least the last Mm. I knew. And team Jordan had this song called, Oh my gosh. Well now stadium. It was called stadium team Jordan stadium, another music video to look up. Um, the tagline for that and what everybody was saying about it was the first hit of the second internet. And when you watch this video, you'll know exactly, like, it was. Like, it was the first hit of the second internet. And if the second internet is what happened at the start of those groups into where we are now, this was the first hit. And Mm. um, I encourage, that one's also on Vimeo. Um, It's not on YouTube. You have to watch it on Vimeo. But once again. Yeah, I've got it here as well. So that was, like, nine years ago. And it it very clearly like touches on things that we still do to this day, and even some things that I feel like we lost a little bit. Like I feel like we don't lean into um, the idea of like showing the like what the computer looks like the way we did back then. Like a big mm-hmm. thing then would be like screenshots of the Facebook page or screenshots of you know, um, the YouTube video or your browser or something like that. Right. Um, so it's like archiving it within the art itself. Right. And, and, and I think we lost that a little bit and got kind of focused on the, you know, the, I don't know, the psychedelic slowed down old commercial type of stuff, which is fine. I love that, you know, too. Um, it's hard to know, like, because the YouTube and Facebook pages started to change more and more over time. And now it happens so frequently. It's like 
people don't there's care a new anymore. update and everything's different i remember sincerely vividly getting violently angry when youtube changed the way their page was designed many times over <laughs> you know Yep, I remember and when now, Facebook did that, and I got so yeah, mad about it. Right. I was like, I don't so, know where anything is, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is stupid now. That doesn't yeah, happen I hate anymore. it. I'm not going to use it anymore. And then three weeks later, you're like, oh, you just go not, down not here, and much. that's where you find your thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, reducing functionality and changing the way it looks, you know? Like, Google's changing their icons all the time. and Right. Um, and so now there's We're not something... cataloging it in the art. There's something nostalgic now about using those old forms because now it's once again one of those things where like we remember when it looked a certain way, whereas somebody who's 18 years old now never saw it that way, you know, mm -hmm. um, they don't have that experience. And so yeah. now that's the same way that we'll look at something from like the 80s and be like, what? I can't believe it looked like that, you know, um, mm -hmm. I hope so because YouTube poops are certainly a great, like, version of vaporwave. Um, yeah, I mean that kind of stuff so was really like. Hopefully, we get it was bubbling version. under the surface for a while, and yeah, I can only speak for myself for sure. on this one, and I know and I know some people agree, but a big influence on like my earliest work, like especially my in my childhood album, um, was Tim and Eric. Mm. Um, and their show, Tim and Eric Awesome, showed a great job. And I still mm. follow Tim Heidecker's work to this day. Like, I, I watch his YouTube uh, podcast every single week. Like, and I watch his shows when they come out and stuff. And to me, he's one of my favorite artists. Um, he's certainly a Renaissance man, does music, art, movies, film, you know, like all the different mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but what Tim and Eric were doing on that show that they had on Adult Swim between like, I want to say it was like 2006, 2010, um, that influenced me a lot. Um, and especially like the idea of using these corny, forgotten, cheesy stock things from, mm -hmm. from the past and recontextualizing them into something that meets you know, your present, um, you know, need for absurdism or psychedelia or definitely philosophy or, or what that might be. Um, that's why I used to love Tom Green, actually. Exactly. Exactly. And I watched Tom Green growing up, too. You know what there I mean? And I think it's 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 a direct lineage there, too. There mm -hmm. are um, like old Tom Green, like early Internet like live shows or whatever they were called back then i don't know that have like tom green and tim and I, eric and to me that's just like these are three geniuses of absurdist art together um mm. you know tim heidecker has this project called on cinema that is this fake movie review show and um, it's like 10 seasons deep with like multiple spinoffs. There's a movie that spun off of it. Like it's out of this world. And the whole premise of the show is that these two guys are reviewing movies. However, they're full of shit. They don't know what they're talking about. They either didn't watch the movie or they're talking about something completely unrelated. And the whole show is based on their personal relationship and their interaction with one another. 
one's like a passive aggressive alpha male and the other is like an introverted obsessive collector type of person that thinks he knows everything and mm. so you have this like nuanced and that sometimes extreme like caricature of their relationship this like sort of uh, you know um codependent relationship on one another yeah. under the guise of like this Cisco and Ebert type of show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's brilliant. And That's the other amazing. guy who plays like the more like um, eccentric one, um, he, ha his name's Greg Turkington. He has a background in music and art as well. He made like absurd and offensive uh, you know, like punk music and like in the West Coast in like the 90s where they would just parody like everything that was going on around them. And he had a project where he was like this fake comedian um, just telling these insanely offensive jokes um, without punchlines and would put out records with like fake laugh tracks and like fake stock music and stuff on it to like sound like it was like just a really crappy comedy album and those two coming together doing that and the reason i bring that up is because first of all that's really influential and actually influential to my new figure variety series but but um there is um a great video you can find on youtube of um greg turkington in his it's called neil hamburger character interviewing tim and eric and it's completely off the rails the entire time. And then and randomly in the middle of it, Tom Green just shows up. <laughs> like starts talking to them. And I'm like, this is like uh, my childhood and adult dream come true. Like, I can't even <laughs> believe it. Okay, I got it. Is it poolside chats with Neil? Did I lose you? Oh, sorry. My mic was muted. Oh, okay. I was eating a slice of pizza. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, um, I hope it wasn't that boring of a story. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. I got to, I got to find that video. Um, I, I can't, I can't, don't know which one it is. I searched it's Greg Turkington, Tim and Eric, Fireside. I want to link that now, one for sure. Trigger warning for 2021. This was made in like 2004. So, you know, oh, I'm sure yeah, there's some things that are off color at this point, but, um, yes, but, uh, we all lived back then. We know how it was. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think their show on cinemas is brilliant. And, um, you know, it was when I discovered that show, I discovered it a little late. Um, it was like four seasons in and I was watching that and catching up with that at the same time that I was doing the new figure variety series in 2015. Mm -hmm. And that show is like this really, it's just you'd get it if you watch it it's just this really cheesy thing and at the same time i was doing this project where i was almost entirely sampling preview channel stock music and um in the earlier records like preview channel commercials like commercials that would play on the preview channel and um mm. which i i treat preview channel the same way people treat weather channel because i feel like weather i i refer to weather channel as a subgenre of vaporwave yeah like, this is weather channel <laughs> like that's what the genre is called like, and yeah. you know what i'm talking about there is a whole subgenre of vaporwave that is that is based on on uh the weather channel and i've done uh, a lot there's of work also with... like weather soft 
and climate wave i've i've heard climate wave right i'll take it i'll take it climate wave that's great i'm going with weathersoft myself (laughs) (laughs) but you're right like weather channel has its own kind of genre thing too because weathersoft or climate wave could not even have weather channel music for example right so and that's interesting yeah and i treat the same way with uh, a preview channel because growing up a big thing that i love to do see this stuff's been brewing in me my entire life when i was growing up my favorite things to watch were the preview channel the weather mm-hmm. channel and qvc <laughs> i would just watch them for hours the weather channel is just and back then it was just weather forecasts mm-hmm. it wasn't like now where you watch an hour-long show about trucks getting stuck in the ice or something like and it often, was just weather forecast 24 7. and just text on screen like no moving no motion right no moving visuals or and the preview channel was the same way like i love to and that was another thing i was into at the time like this is like 2015 i would just sit and watch on youtube like an hour-long video of the preview channel from june 23rd 1996 and i would just watch it the same way i would have on june 23rd 1996 in real life I would just turn on the TV and watch this scroll of everything that I could watch while music played or commercials played or ads for movies and TV shows played. Now Um, that is interesting because I love doing that sort of thing too. Like I'll go on archive.org. I run a stream at Utopia District of old classic stuff like that. But um, I can't, I'll watch it if I want to feel that feeling and dive mm-hmm. into some sort of nostalgic vibe, whatever it is I'm looking for at the time. But I can't, like, I know it's a big waste of time. I'm not actually watching it. was a massive waste it. of time in 1996, and it's a massive waste of time in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> You're just watching. Well, there's so much content. less to do back then. You're just trapped in your living room with your TV dinner, you know? <laughs> right, right. You know, everyone's in bed. Uh, you know, could I, could I turn on, you know, some show, or can I just watch this mindlessly for hours? And it's I wonder very if, similar to now. We'll just like turn on YouTube and not even pay attention to it. We'll just listen yeah, to people just talk, or podcasts. Like go this. down the rabbit hole and people just listen to other people talking. Yeah, and I, like I do that too. You know, I listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot, a lot of YouTube, and it's like, am I just replacing the fact that I don't have friends here to talk to? You know? Yes, <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. You are. That's what it's true. Like. I've I've been doing it for years. I was embarrassed by it almost, like when, to tell people, like, you know, I watch all these people. With, this is what I do with most of my time. Um, I live on the internet, you know, and that's probably another reason why so many vapor people connect and get it. Like I said on right. the Hot Takes podcast, but um, absolutely, yeah, it's 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 funny to think during the pandemic. Has have people started watching preview again because we're trapped at home again? <laughs> I wonder. I like wonder. We were in the I 90s. mean, the, the the logs are there on YouTube. You can watch. You can just type in preview channel and you can pick a date. You know, yeah. there was a thing I did around that same time. That new figure variety year was really weird because I got so. It was almost like a baby. Yeah, it was almost like I got into character for the project mm-hmm. because I just went to such a rabbit hole into this concept that I was creating. Yeah. And 
I actually went to a place at that point where I wanted to figure out, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. I went, I wanted to figure out when I started. Okay. So at that time I was back in school, I was learning a lot of psychology and neuroscience and, and these things about how the brain works. And I wanted to figure out when I started having conscious self-aware thought and memory. And so that's a challenge for sure. Right. And so I was thinking about what could I do to figure that out? Because, you know, science implies that you, you start to have those things around age three or four. And so I actually went and I was like, okay, so I was a kid. So this is the type of content I would have been watching on TV. I grew up watching TV. Um, and you can, you know, you can find commercial blocks on TV or on, Dude, on YouTube. Th so this I went is back. wild. No I went way. back to like 92 or something. I can't even remember what I ultimately figured out anymore. Like I, I yeah. forgot, but like I went back to like November of 1992 and I started watching these blocks and I kept going back until <laughs> I didn't recognize the commercials anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to isolate that like somewhere in this period of time, I developed self-awareness because I remember that commercial, but I don't remember those commercials. Yeah, or there's this piece or a voice or something, you know, a sound. Yeah, I mean, it was they're just commercials. So it's just like, I remember that tricks commercial. <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I figured out when I became me, you know, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, you know what I mean? Wow. And that's what I was doing when I was making those new figure variety albums. And it was funny with those records was um, at the same time, uh, Michael Green was working on a project called, um, I believe it was called Second Life 365, where he was living an hour a day in Second Life and documenting it with like Twitter posts and like Facebook posts and what he did there. And he went into Second Life as this character wanting to meet people and wanting to collaborate. And he went through this entire year as his character. Mm -hmm. And there was this point like halfway through where he became like disillusioned or something and became depressed. And he made his character stay in a hotel room and drink for like a month and Whoa. like be really depressed and explore depression. And this is so cool because it speaks to what our community does for people mm. um his character was and i was following this project the whole time his character was depressed and in the hotel room for like a month just drinking like every post was just him like laying on a bed mm -hmm. you know the character the the digital character you know yeah, has so a bottle I, of whiskey or whatever yeah and, let me just quickly say i took a class in second life where the, the the class was in Second Life, I didn't go to a physical place what? for it. Yeah, so I I I highly resonate with what you're telling me right now. Oh my gosh, what what kind of class? It was a transmedia class. What? It was a, just a, a supposed to explore different types of art through multiple media. That's awesome. Mm hmm. So there was this cool university from Australia that made a lot of art in Second Life and pushed the boundaries of exploration of what 
sort of 3D art you can make and what experiences you can provide for people in a 3D space. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was great. I wish I was more involved in it now like I was back then, but, you know, maybe I'll get back into it. I do uh, play still sometimes. So I'd never played it myself, but Mm. I obviously learned a lot from, like, watching this. Um, Oh, another thing, just quickly. We actually throw concerts in Second Life still to this day. So there's this guy on the uh, Utopia District server called Snow Crash, super cool guy. He's been doing this for a while, um, hosting events in Second Life. And during an event called Flamingo Fest, some of you listeners may recall from a previous episode or Flamingo Fest, or maybe you were with us there in Second Life dancing on the dance floor. But yeah, he's uh, hosting. I remember that during Late Night Lights. Yeah, there you go. So it's, uh, it's people are still doing it, man. That's... I'd love to see to see a link to, uh, to this I sent it um, to you on the chat here. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. Um, the website's but, so, a little weird to navigate, but if you scroll down a little bit, there's links to everything. Cool. But, but he was cool posting this, every month drinking. Yeah. Right. Well, not the whole... He wasn't drinking for a year. There was a period where he was drinking uh, in, month, in the yeah. game and depressed. And I reached out to him and I was like, you know, our conversation led to um, we should collab, you know? We're, we're both on like a year long project. Mm-hmm. We're both clearly in a very introspective place right now. And we're kind of secluding ourselves. What can we do with this? Mm-hmm. And what it turned into was he created an album as his character and used the idea of writing that album to get him out of depression. Wow released it on Atlantis and then he left the hotel and went back out to continue his second life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like which what which weird... album was it? Um so on Atlantis it's under the name um oh I have too many tabs open here. On Atlantis it is under the name I I believe it's official Michael Green six or let me just make sure. Um, it is an explicit cover, so... Oh, Memoirs? Um, or, yes. So it's OMG V 6.0. Okay. And that's um, his album as the character. Um, and from releasing <laughs> that Motel album... Motel Apocalypse. <laughs> yes. Nice. Very cool and stuff. So, yeah, so that's... Um, I think that speaks to like what this community can do is it can help you not feel so alone, connect with people that you, you know, relate to and respect and you kind of get out of your shell a little bit and, and be yourself. You know, that's what any good punk scene does. <laughs> Dude, that is like so true about vaporwave. You really hit the nail on the head there. I think like, there's no Absolutely. other genre where I see people express themselves like who they really are, whether it's through the music or not. Maybe they're just in the community, you know? Yep. Most genres, you just see people wear like, you know, if it's metal, everyone just wears black. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> right. And that's where you're at. And no one talks to each other. just <laughs> fights. Well, I mean, that speaks to a lot the way you dance at a metal show. Yeah, that's true. You know, or why you go 
Plus, right? it depends, I guess. A lot of times it's for the musicianship, but also it's for the the like intensity all, factor. Right. Like it speaks to it speaks to that part of you. Mm-hmm. I love a good hardcore show. Yeah. We man. used to go to hardcore shows. Thursday. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday was and what, great. what was the thing about Horse the Band you were going to say? I, I didn't. It wasn't Horse the Band. It was the oh, number okay. 12 looks like you. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, I believe that's who they were touring with at the time. Yeah. The best was that we booked Wiz Khalifa there for 1500 yeah. bucks, And wow. 50 people showed up. <laughs> and now he sells out like Surprise. arenas Surprise. Yeah. at like $80 ticket prices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... In this, it's he was crazy. from Pittsburgh, so he was from like forty minutes away. He had like maybe two mixtapes under his belt. I thought he was great, I, so I pushed for it. I thought it was interesting him. that you have one of his albums on um, Robert Clement rookie card. Mm. Yeah, definitely, because I I always followed his work. Because I'm a, I'm actually man. like a you, really like that's, obviously that's the indicator right there that you know what's up. Like you have a keen aesthetic ear. Well, thanks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I uh, I grew up on and to this day love rap music, and um, mm-hmm. but obviously I'm not in that that community at all, and so yeah. I've never released any rap music. But um, I recognize it, I see it, I respect it, and I have a I, I hold it to high regard, and so um, you'll see like. You know, if you know me, you know I'm I'm listening to rap a lot of the time, um, and on my blog, yeah, I definitely like when stuff came out and I thought it was important, I would post it on there because it because my thought back then was like there's stuff notably absent on that blog, and the reason is because I knew other blogs had posted it, and so the vibe I got back then was like stay in your lane. You know what I mean? Like, don't steal mm-hmm. content from other people. And so if the blogs that I was following at the time, um, you know, posted about something, I'm clearly getting it secondhand to put it on my... And so in my opinion back then, it like delegitimized what I was doing a little bit. If I was just mm-hmm. taking everything that was on Rose Quartz and putting it on mine, you just read Rose Quartz because they actually know the people. So mm-hmm. I that's why I strive to find like my own, my own content or, you know, it's not my content, but you know what I mean? Like I wanted to be able to cover stuff that nobody else was covering. And so when I would watch those other blogs, they inspired me. I was listening to that music and that's how I found those other artists because Mm -hmm. they were following the same blogs, listening to the same music and, and making similar music. Um, and something I always thought was, you know, I was really into rap music all the time and people that listen to generally speaking, people that listen to this type of music don't listen to that type of music. And so, um, if it would be like, if I found this really great country album that I felt like people should hear, I would feel comfortable putting on that because this stuff's in Rolling Stone, this stuff's in, you know, whatever it's it, everybody has access to it. Mm. And so I felt comfortable sharing um, like high publicity rap music on there as well, because, you know, people already know about it. I'm not breaking news by posting an a Gucci man album. Like mm-hmm. people know who he is. 
people listen to him. He has more listeners than people who visit this website. So, but my thought is, you know, if you're into this stuff and if you have a similar ear as I do, you might recognize the same thing in this music that I do. And yeah. so I like melodies. I like hooks. I like big moments. I like, you know, when it comes to rap, I really like, uh, like, like, I don't know terminology, but like, I, I like a very in intelligent flow. I like clever, um, metaphors and i like i like i like those types of things and so if you have that sense of mind to be keen to those sort of things if you listen to this noise record and found it entertaining you might also find something entertainment out of this oj the juice man album mm -hmm. because he's actually really good you know yeah. um so i felt comfortable putting that whereas i you won't find ducktales or james ferraro or right that type of stuff on here because <clears throat> there were enough people directly connected to those people that were already putting that out yeah and so who am i to suddenly say like hey you should listen to james ferraro because i learned it from that guy you know what i mean <laughs> that's not my place to do that right we've, we've mentioned the ducktales uh well, I guess the self-titled album a lot. Everybody check mm. that album out. It's fucking awesome. Oh, but, uh, I had that on vinyl. Yo, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, that is a gem. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beach Point Pleasant is one of my all-time favorite songs, and it's also an amazing music video. Yeah. Hey, who's your favorite rapper, would you say? My favorite rapper? Um. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can I give a top three? Yeah. Um, I'll just say it. I know it's, it might sound cliche, but what can you do? Um, Lil Wayne is is the best rapper, I think. Um, Currency, um, who does have some splits and collabs with Wiz Khalifa um, and Lil Wayne. Um, Currency is from New Orleans, I believe. Mm-hmm. And OJ the Juice Man, who's from Atlanta. Yeah. So Currency, Wayne, and and Juice Man. Those nice. are my three favorites. Nice. Do I you, think uh, there's just something. I think OJ the Juice Man is really underrated. Um, and I, I've listened to a lot of rap over the years, and I like to pay attention to how they know each other because you like you'll see people collab on different people's mixtapes and stuff like that, and you know you get to you know what they're talking about and the type of content they're talking about and you start to figure out their roles with one another or mm. at least assume what their roles might be to one another and uh i feel like oj the juice man is just like uh a guy who's older than everybody and everyone like respects and has time with but he's just to, you know rapping on the side and happens to be really clever yeah i also really love lil b um but i think that's a whole different i think he's a genre in and of it in and of himself mm. i mean his Do most like, recent uh, album had like a hundred tracks on it yeah <laughs> wow i don't know much new like contemporary stuff mostly i've, I've been as, out of as it as the past as... few years oh yeah yeah. yeah well that shows i clearly don't know <laughs> yeah but, i'd um, say like the past like three or four years i've been really out of it 
I've spent yeah. the last few years really just like revisiting some older stuff. I find myself going back to like 2008 through like 2012 mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Golden era. Yeah, it really was. Do you, uh, you mentioned, you know, intelligent metaphor and, and interesting rhyme, whatever scheme. You didn't quite say that, but do you like Gangstar or Odyssey? So that's a thing. I always talk about how much I love rap music and stuff. And all of that really, I recognize that there is an entire, there are so many really intelligent, um, what's the word for it? Not philosophical, but conscious. Lyrical wordsmith geniuses? There are conscious lyrical wordsmith (laughs) geniuses in like the early 90s and late 90s that I'm aware they exist but never got into. And that is one regret. One regret Mm. I do have musically is like all of that type of stuff missed me. Like I just, I was too young to get that. Like when I was growing up on rap music, it was what was on the radio, what was on TV. Mm-hmm. nothing underground nothing off the you know the status quo of what was popular at the time and so mm-hmm. that like set my taste for what i did discover later on and that's one regret i literally do have is i don't know those artists and i wish mm-hmm. i did like i remember <sighs> like this year when uh when mf doom passed yeah i was just like i wish I knew his music more. Like I knew him enough. I've heard songs. I know what he sounds like. I know he's good, but I never spent the time with him. And I kind of regret that. You should sit down with like Operation Doomsday or Mm Food or something. Really? Um, Just they're they're like stories almost from start to finish with his like commentary and some of the samples. Like he'll use like – I think like old superhero show samples and sounds, Ooh. you know, or like where the bad guys being announced by the narrator sort of. Yeah. It's, it's really neat, but also check out Odyssey's one Oh one. Okay. That's like my favorite. And that's spelled album, like, I think dash C, right? No, no. O D D I S E E. Oh, okay. O D D I S E E one Oh one. And for Gangstar, maybe check out Full Clip. Okay. <laughs> and for listeners as well, if you want to check it out. I remember I had this CD. So good. Back in like middle school. It was like Source Hip Hop Awards in like 1999 or something like that. And mm-hmm. it had like Most Def and Talib Kweli and... Pharaoh Monch, or if that's how you pronounce it, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, it had these artists I'd never heard of, and those were my favorite songs on that. Like, it had, yeah. like, the hits, the ones that were, like, on MTV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself going to them. They had more interesting beats. They had more intelligent lyrics. They had more creative flows. And I really loved it. But for some reason, I just never dug deeper. And it could be just a simple fact of like when I was growing up, you didn't find those CDs in the record store. You know what I mean? And so I wasn't yeah. exposed to it. 
Exactly. Um, if I was growing up now, it might be different because it's a YouTube click away. Whereas back then, you had to find the CD, you know, or else you never mm. heard it. Um, and so it, it could have just been a fact that I grew up in a suburb that catered to that audience and, and didn't have that stuff. They just had, you know, Eminem and you know whatever was popular DMX, on the radio yeah. at the time. Yeah, DMX, like... Um, and so like that stuff that was just like really oversaturated and watered down it seemed and and that's not to disparage those two artists i think those two are really great um rappers as well um eminem is definitely not my taste but i can't uh i can't deny how good oh, of a, sure. a rapper he is um yeah. but i just don't really care for the content or his voice personally um that's it awfully hot <laughs> coffee pot <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. I can't deny that, but uh, I don't want to listen to it. Yeah, but like, um, but yeah, that is that is one thought I have. And then, like, I'm I'm super guilty of it of of uh, you know the modern rap that I do listen to. Um, and when I say modern, I'm I'm thinking more of like the era of like 2010 to like 2017, 2016. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'd say till like 2016, like, I really paid attention to a lot of the artists that seem to be more popular or influential to what's happening now that I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same sort of thing as Vaporwave, just on its own. You know, right. That's a, And I think that's a great way. point. That's a really great point. It's like, I wasn't there for it, <laughs> you know, but like... Migos was really good and Gucci Man was really good. You know what I mean? Like I named a record after Gucci Man in mm -hmm. like 2013, you know? Um, and some purists might say like, you know, that's not really the message that this form was meant to, meant to put out there. But I'm um, just, uh, you know, what can I say? I like it. <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is i you, think it's you, great you it's, know what i mean if you like it that's what you were saying before you know right. if uh you like this then you might like that because you like the same sort of approach to melody that i do for example exactly um exactly. i want so we've been talking for a long time it's it's yeah. fl flown by do we have some time to shift subjects a little bit. Totally. Wherever you want to go. Okay, cool. I want to know what you're nostalgic for. What am I nostalgic for? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is lack of responsibility. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the context of what type of topics we typically go over, you know... Um, well, we in vaporwave we often use the genre or the methodology to um, to complement uh, our never-ending search for what I just closure described. maybe. Well, that's one thing I'll say. Like sidebar, um, I mentioned earlier on, like my whole entire catalog is one big story, and mm. it is a story of closure. It's a story of acceptance. Um, it's a story of reconciliation, um, growth. Um, 
falling self-discovery self-awareness um it's very much about that and so i think it's especially in my personal catalog um which project is that for uh, all of it oh um nykdln adhd nfl blitz um trademark century all of it is because see i didn't describe this earlier but the whole project is called what you'll see on my band campaign it's an anarchy symbol peace symbol heart and the triangle yeah that's the name of the project this one okay nykdln is the primary character trademark century is an effort to initially go back to the purity of the the original intent of the nykdln character as nykdln gets more elaborate and more chaotic or more introspective trademark century brings it back as trademark century starts to get more elaborate new figure for or adhd nfl blitz brings it back as adhd nfl blitz starts to well adhd nfl blitz is kind of like a sidebar to remember that that was still there and then new figure variety comes in and addresses that moment in time trying to consolidate those previous two Mm-hmm. And then like we return fully. back with more ADHD NFL blitz. And then there, it finally all kind of coalesces into my spring wind blessed 17 album by NYKDLN, which is by far the mo- most like intense and overwhelming. And then that was like the, the pinnacle of it. Like here it all is. And then I did some work after that that was kind of specific to what was happening at the moment. And then that that last ADHD NFL Blitz kind of, um, you know, reconciled all of those concepts together into one, recognizing that you change. Um, mm. And then the reason I named my most recent one as Trademark Century was just more so based on the approach I took to creating the album. Um, sonically speaking like 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 what types of samples i was using and because that whole um that new one on preview guide is um that's all preview channel samples too um Mm. so it's actually more akin to new figure variety but something about it made it more feel like a reconciled trademark century album to me right um and how do how does Diamond Ladies fit in or Dance Energy Cruisers? <laughs> so those are two interesting ones and two of my favorites. Um, Diamond Ladies was just a fun side project, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I was done with New Figure Variety, and obviously that took me a lot of time to work on those five records. I worked on ADHD NFL Blitz 2 at the same time and put it out during those coming out. Um same with ADHD three, which originally, um, you know, had like Japanese characters as the name and it used like samples from that was, that was another one that was just kind of like a side project. Um, it was using the ADHD, HD NFL blitz ropes using like cartoon samples and things like that, but it was using like Japanese samples instead. So like mm. I stylized it that way. Since then, I had switched it back to like English language just because, uh, you know, times change and it just didn't feel the same. Um, Diamond Ladies was just something that 
these were kind of like um, some other tracks I was working on and yeah. they felt like they were their own piece. And so I put them out as their own thing. More of an extension of that ADHD three album. And then um, dance energy cruisers is <laughs> that's an interesting one. So um, how do I approach this one? I'll tell you what. Uh, let me use the restroom real quick, and I'll tell you about that album. Okay. Because I think that is it's one that of my favorites. Be... I revisit okay. that like pretty regularly. So Dance Energy Cruisers. First thing first, this gets to the thing that I texted you about like 20 times that I wanted to get into. Oh, sweet. Um, you're from Toronto, right? You know it. Okay. So, are you familiar with the AM radio station, AM740, Zoomer Radio? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. You're not? You're not? No. Okay. No, I'm not. So, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest radio station I've ever heard in my life comes out of Toronto. It's AM740, and it makes its way all the way down here to Pennsylvania. Nice. You can only really get it at night. Like in the day, there's just too much noise in the airwaves. AM740 is targeted towards way older people. Um, Zoomer radio. <laughs> right. And it, um, it primarily plays music from the 30s to the 80s. Okay. Um, I've been listening. You can hear samples from AM740 dating all the way back to 2000, 2012 in my work. So I told you I used to have an hour commute. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> at night, I would listen to AM 740 every single night on the ride home because I used yeah. to drive an hour home every night. Um, a, lot, a lot of classics on here, man. Some like nice swing and R&B style. You're looking at their website? I'm tuned in, bro. Okay, so like... AM740 is amazing. Um, AM740 is how I discovered big band and swing music, which is something I discovered in like 2013, fell in love with. And it's funny because um, I actually got a, a zip file from St. Pepsi directly years ago from him of big band songs because i like i started talking to everybody like guys i'm into big band this is amazing <laughs> i've never heard this music before it's fucking incredible nice. like like i need more and he's like dude i'm into this too here <laughs> and he just sends me like a zip of like 600 songs and i was like yeah. yes and since then i've collected like countless cassettes and records of big band music i love it nice, and man. um that's how i discovered it but that station's great and I have sampled it so much because what I used to do on those rides was I used to record myself listening to it the entire ride home. So every, every week I would end up with like five hours of AM 740 recordings. And you're recording the ambient noise of the car and whatnot or just yep. straight... Turn okay. on the phone, okay. put on the voice memos, and sit it on the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And what and is the purpose of that? Like to, to revisit again or to, to archive so you can know. 
Shazam it later or so it it was a little mixed like one creating like like documenting that experience yeah and also to sample it and this would have been in what 2007 I did that from like 2004 or no no 2014 until about 2019 Okay. And in fact, I still I only have an eight hour commute or eight minute commute back home now. But I always get off work at like one or two in the morning, and um, yeah, I I record AM seven forty on my ride home, so I get like an eight minute recording every night from it instead of a forty eight minute recording. I'm looking uh, forward to what sort of catalog art piece this turns into someday. <laughs> Dude, you're telling me because I literally. I probably have like 60 hours mm-hmm. or more. Like I'm, I, I probably have hundreds of hours of recordings of this radio station. Cause the thing is, it's, it's not unlike VHS. You know, we have these digital broadcasts that go over the airways and vanish out into the ether. Remember that? It's the that, same that, as that, taping the TV. It is. Which like, we now was, see on YouTube. Girl. And What's that's how name? I watch the preview channel. There, yeah. There's this, girl she cataloged her she spent her whole life taping the news taping certain channels Fuck. that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the description um oh, i lost you i'll put a link in the description okay <laughs> archive but um so am 740 is great you can actually hear the first time i discovered the channel on my ep vanguard world year which came out in 2012 it's like mm. four the whole ep is like four minutes long it's all field recordings and you can hear the first time that i um stumbled across that channel mm-hmm. and then throughout my work over the years there are samples from that yeah so um yeah am 740 is amazing um they do a thing like their thing is so consistent too because like it's I don't know what happens in the day. <laughs> I have no idea because it doesn't come in clear during the day. But it's 60s at 6, 70s at 7, 80s at 8, 67, 70s and 80s at 9. 10 o'clock, they do an hour where they do back-to-back um, radio shows from the 40s. Like, oh. like where they were like the radio dramas, like the acting. Yeah. So you get to listen to that. And then at 11 o'clock... Um, you know, this woman comes on at first and plays like a lot of love song music and a lot of like R&B and, and stuff like that. And then at 12, they have this show called Midnight Blue, which plays like dirty blues. And it's a little more mm-hmm. risque. And then after that, it's all just like it's auto DJ, but it's everything from like 30s to 80s. And then nice. on the weekends, they have like big band Sunday night and then like British Invasion, like Saturday night or something like that, where they play yeah. like mostly like that, like 60s stuff. <laughs> which i love 60s music too um but... i have a feeling i'm on a hunch i'm gonna guess are you a fan of people like steve allen or jack kerouac i don't read believe it or not no okay no i read comic the, books but i don't sort read of like any the, fiction there's a lot of like beat poet stuff like recordings let me link you something here yes please you might you might you might check it out um um actually you know, never mind yeah i'll here i just sent oh, you the link 
I know we'll put it in the description of the show too for anyone interested. Uh, it's I, I love Jack Kerouac. On the Road is my favorite story, my favorite book, my favorite film, one of my favorite films. Walter Sellers directed it. Um, yeah, if you like the Beat Poet stuff, check it out. I'll have to check that out. The only uh, like 60s spoken word stuff that I'm familiar with is like, uh, oh, what's his name? Like Terrence McKenna. Like oh, his yeah. recordings. And what's the other guy that's big in that, Aldous in Huxley? that culture? No, he's later, I believe. The person I'm thinking oh, of. I feel the, like he might have been into the 80s or 90s. Timothy Leary? Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Albert Hoffman? I was thinking of... Yeah, it was <laughs> Timothy Leary. Yeah, yeah, you're naming the ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Timothy Leary and... Um, and um, the hell was the first Aldous guy's Huxley. name? No, I never listened to Huxley. It was... Uh, Alan Watts. Alan Watts. That's yes. That's Everyone so, knows Alan Watts. So that's a perfect segue because for the sake Ooh. of, um, you know, keeping things, things clean on the show, this dance energy cruisers album was yeah. inspired by one single weekend, one single person, one single event. Um, the entire- commute. Yes. So you were driving. Right. So (laughs) this whole album is AM740 recordings. Mm. And it is very, um, very specifically picked out tracks. Yeah. Um, It's not random. They're all intentional. I scaled through a lot to figure out what songs fit on here the most. And um, how how to dance around this one. So... I was at a festival called Dome Fest in Pennsylvania, I believe it was, or maybe it might have been West Virginia. Um, ran by and headlined by a um, like fusion funk jam band called Pigeons Playing Ping, Ping Pong, who I actually played with in Johnstown like a year or two before. We used to run this event called the May Masquerade where um, it was a masquerade in this place we call the venue of Merging Arts. And upstairs, I would do a sound installation in the entire room. Like, it was an old church, right? So I would use the entire sanctuary to create a sound installation. I would use the balcony. I used every corner of that place. And there was art displayed at the same time. And people would like view the art gallery while also sonically experiencing my sound installation. Mm-hmm. Downstairs, there was like, it was like a club vibe and you'd have like electronic people playing downstairs. And that's where you'd go to like party. BYOB type of place. People had a lot of fun there, let's say. Well, the first one, um, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong was playing um, as soon as the May Masquerade ended. There was a like, there's like a big bar slash, um, you know, like wedding reception type place across the street, and they were playing there. And so I did this entire, um, you know, installation for four hours there. And then as soon as everything was done at VOMA, everyone went over to Aces and saw Pigeons play for two hours. Yeah. And so that's how I met them. But I went, they, um, they have a festival called Dome Fest that happens um, around here in Pennsylvania. Um, this was, I believe, their first or second one. And it was at this amazing grounds. 
And um, this is a weird story, man. <laughs> um, while I was there, and let's just, the soju. <laughs> let's just say I'm leaving a lot out of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> DMs. While, while I was there, I met someone that, and it's written right in the liner notes of Dance Energy. I found you again after 10,000 years. Um, I met somebody that I had felt like I was, I was meant to meet for, um, my entire life and lifetimes beyond this one. And, um, it was a pure moment of, uh, you know, holy shit, there you are. I've been looking for you this whole time. That's where you met your wife. um, it's it's not but yes um, oh, okay <laughs> um and so i met this person and um from the moment we met we were inseparable and um uh after i left that weekend i never saw that per- I, n- I never saw her again mm. and um and it was completely pure and it was completely real and it was um something i've never experienced and um i was so inspired by it that i wanted to make music about it and obviously at the same time um i was recording a lot of am 740 i knew what i had in my recordings and i scaled through them until i found like those 12 tracks and so that entire album is um for her like it, mm-hmm. it's my celebration of like the idea of 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 actually interacting with that soul yeah in in this lifetime mm-hmm. because i never did and i ne- probably never will again and so um it was extremely powerful i think that's like to me one of the most powerful and important albums i've ever put out and it's like the the least like emphasized one you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just put it out. All right, I think I put it out on uh, DMT. VCR. I think actually VCR. Yeah, and um, so like I did put it out with somebody, but like it wasn't one that I like spent a year working on or anything like that, or put a lot of like weird stuff into. It was just like I'm so inspired by this experience mm-hmm. that I need to create something that 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 can try to reflect that. And that's what that album is. And, you know, the name is right there on track eight. And, um, that's, that's what this, that album was. And, Mm. um, to this day, it's probably like one of my favorites. I love that album. Not to mention like like sonically it's great. (laughs) It sounds like I have a couple things to say. Those experiences are so important, especially when you're young and, you know, it wasn't too that long ago, but Mm-mm. in my example, for me, like I was still discovering a lot of who I was and, you know, meeting people. And when you're at, like when you're outside of your element, sort of, and when you're in a new place and you're discovering things with this person and it's all new experiences, like that shit can be so absolutely powerful. Like, I, I'm yep. not surprised you were inspired to make an album from it and like, for me definitely the creation of the album would a lot of it would be like trying to relive those memories because they're so fleeting and lock them into a time capsule sort of um i I completely agree that's what that is yeah 
Like yeah. that's if you listen to it, like listen to it front to back, that's what it is. Like it starts off with this, like we're gonna have a good time. Tonight. You know what I mean? Like like just this like you know, like this is great, we're here to party, this is gonna be so much fun. And then it's just like it gets to a point where you're you got like the Phil Collins give me just one more night. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I I can't I can't wait another lifetime to, to mm-hmm. experience this again. It um, sort of becomes a thing that's like bigger than you and the people involved. Oh, it totally was. You know? And if I think back to that night, the the other kicker of that that weekend was um, it happened on my birthday. Oh, okay. so it, it was like on like my like twenty ninth birthday or something. So like you know there were points over that weekend where I'm like, this is my birthday party. I can't believe you all did this for my birthday party. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit of ego there, I guess. But like, um, no, it was cool. it was one of the most profound uh, weekends of my life, and. Mm. Um, to i'm like i'm a super social and talkative person but i'm also at the same time a very awkward person and and i'm not one to like i'll i'm like the guy that will i'll say hi to strangers walking through the grocery store just because i pass by them but i don't sit and have conversations with people you know what i mean like there's that difference of like i'll i'll acknowledge everybody life is good but at the same time, if you want to sit and talk with me, I don't know what to say. I'm kind of uncomfortable. You know mm. what I mean? I'm like this mm. weird mix of an introvert and an extrovert at the same time. And the person that that album was about was like, just showed up. And I was like, well, holy shit, I can just, I can let go, can't I? You know? Mm-hmm. You really see each other. Yeah. And it was just so inspirational. I, I, I think about that a lot. That's so cool. I'm really glad you got to have that experience. And we That's have this the way awesome I treat album. It, you know what I mean? Like I got to I got to have that experience and I feel like being offered that opportunity to have that experience in my life was enough that I can't regret or resent or be bummed about the fact that it didn't last or something like that. I got to feel what we all want to feel or at least what i always wanted to feel and as long as i live i i won't ever forget how i felt and mm-hmm. so <clears throat> the purest like possible successful. purest possible sense of that feeling of life actually flowing through you yes yeah absolutely That's what we should live for yep exactly um, and i'm yeah. i feel blessed for it you know what i mean yeah, i encourage man. you to listen to that record i feel like I didn't sell that record a lot, you know what I mean? I didn't talk about it a lot. I just kind of put it out and let it go. But, you know, um, sonically mm-hmm. speaking, it's, it, it jams, you know what I mean? Like, I think it, it, there's some pretty great samples in there, and it has that AM740 uh, yeah. flavor to it, and um, there's a deeper story behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. For anyone listening, you know, please please check it out. Um, we'll link it in the, in the description. You can find it on DMT's site. It's not on VCR anymore, obviously. Oh, really? Or um, nykdln.bandcamp.com. And um, to, yes, to, to really unpack this powerful experience that Mike Michael is conveying to us here today. So I want to move on a little bit. It's yeah. been... Our listeners are probably getting tired, <laughs> but I have, I have a couple more questions. Questions. So I'll try to keep it tight. 
I know you said you're quite busy. You know, you haven't been involved in some of the other genres you'd like to as much. Um, but do you have any thoughts on the state of the scene in 2021 and maybe like what Vaporwave needs or could use? Um, well, obviously I've kind of indicated and, and like anyone who knows me knows that I've, I've kind of been quiet lately, like the past like two or three years. It kind of like yeah. started with me starting grad school and then, you know, getting into a serious relationship, getting into a career, getting into mm -hmm. deeper into that relationship. And there's just kind of those life things that a little less of what was going on at Dome Fest, you know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> I haven't been around a lot like I used to be. Like I was always like present, like I was always there. Yeah. Um, so if there is nuance to the community at this point in terms of drama between people or, you know, even, even if there's like a hot record that's like, holy cow, did you hear what they did? Like, this is going to change it. Um, I might have missed that. You know what I mean? And, you know, I was obviously never one to, to get into drama, obviously, too much. But I always loved those hot records. <laughs> but like... I've missed it's a hard lot of to that. get one and not the other. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but like, what from my perspective, I feel like the fact that we are having this conversation mm. and you have this platform, yeah, yeah that's says a lot. Ten, ten years later, well, thank you for the compliment. That means a lot. But you know, it's I think you're the one I we should be thanking 10 years later and you're still down to talk to us you know like that well, that means yeah. something there's Absolutely. so many artists many we've talked about today laser laser ship for example right like people leave the scene quite a bit right. and uh you haven't left and Atlantis is not closed um so that's really something we we got to take a second to realize, you know, 10 years, people. Thank you. I, <laughs> anyway. like, I couldn't imagine leaving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, output yeah. might slow down. Life happens. You know what I mean? But um, I am so passionate about this. And, um, you know, as much as we talked about, like, hey, if you want to put your metal record on my album or on my label, like, go for it. Um, everyone who knows me personally, like in real life, like they know that I'm all about vaporwave. I'm literally wearing a shirt right now that has the word vaporwave printed across it. So like I, that I, the misprint that one of yeah, a kind. Yeah. Yeah. I was texting you about it. Yeah. Do you so want to like, tell the story right now? I can, I can. So, um, there were a few of these made, um, well not this one. So uh, my buddy Jeff, who um, um, I haven't released any of his work on Alanthus, but his friend released a record on my on Alanthus called "Be Alarmed." It's called mm. "Host a Party." Um, that was like one of his good friends that released with me. Somebody from IRL, um, but my friend Jeff, he was my college roommate. We're still best friends. He made a he has a screen printing set up in his basement and he makes a lot of shirts and stuff and he made a screen that just says vaporwave it's just like oh, yeah. basic font says vaporwave and um 
he just kind of made it so that we could make weird stuff when I came over. And he lives far away from me, so we don't get to see each other a ton. But so he had, he was like, we should make shirts. And he had this like very basic idea of like, just print it on fresh shirts. And I'm like, no, that's not vaporwave. Let's dig through this box of fucked up shirts you have and let's print it on those. And let's get <laughs> polo shirts and print it on those. And let's get like shirts with graphics on them and print it on those. Like, let's reuse old material and make it into something new and relevant so um the one i'm wearing um has his like company logo on it it says cedar street t-shirt company and it's like a digital drawing of him underneath a tree i know the picture that this come comes from because it was when we were camping one time he's just sitting by a lake and there's this just like these this lined picture of him sitting under a tree. He looks miserable as hell. Um, You're looking like, at the shirt right now, aren't you? Right? Yeah, I am. I'm looking I can down hear at you. <laughs> um, so that's the shirt. It's it's misprinted. It's like real crooked and off center. And I was like, this is perfect. So it's printed in like this like forest green, right, on a white shirt. So I'm like, we'll print it on the white shirt with white ink. So yeah. we screen print the word vaporwave across it in white ink. So you have to like really look to see it. I like but it. But then years, like a year later, like I had this shirt and we made a, a bunch of different shirts like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one specifically, um, I worked for, for many years. Um, I worked um, in education and with kids. And during the summer, I would work in like summer outreach programs and stuff. And, um, one year we were doing tie-dye and I made this exception. I, I was like, I'm going to bring this shirt to tie-dye. So I bring this white shirt with the word vaporwave on it and it's, it, and it's perfect. It's so, it's so like on point it's pink, teal, purple, blue, you know, like all of those like stereotypical vaporwave colors, um, tie-dye on this shirt and it came out perfect. And so I have this like four times over reworked big old soft t-shirt with the word vaporwave printed across it. That's like a gem. You're not going to be able to reproduce that or get Mm -mm. it again. No, no, absolutely. I don't even know if he still has the screen, but I'd love to have it because I know he's not using it. I kind of got to ask him if he'd like let me have it so I can hang it on the wall. You know, Vapor95 is doing pretty good. might be time to start up a new business. (sighs) Hey. (laughs) Um, there was more shirts we made out of it, but I handed them out. Like I went on a few tours with uh, illuminated pads and I, uh, I just gave out a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, one that was my favorite and I used to wear it, but I gave it to her. Um, this is another correct c- connection to Toronto. Um, I was on a illuminated pads tour, um, in like 2016 or 2017. Um, Whenever I was working on the uh, Spring Spring Wind album, um, and oh, this is a whole nother great story. Um, <laughs> I'll save half the story because that's a whole nother story. But I get to New York City, and I met Lincoln, Sean Patel. Yo, and Lang I wanted Lang. to know how you connected with Lincoln, actually. That, so is that the, we originally first time met through... Like sewer grates, Xerox, and living room visions. Okay, like that's how we connected. But I never released an album with them until last year. Well, no, you did the one with um, 
Oh, we What's, did the split. Yeah, with Laser Ship Stereo's other project. What is that? Yeah, we did um, a Psychic, Psychic LCD. Psychic LCD. Quasar Auto. With, and Auto, Lincoln, too. And, yeah, yeah, that album was so much fun. Mm-hmm. That was on Swan City Sounds. Swan City Sounds. Um, but I never released him on Atlantis until last year because he was working on that album due since 2013. Wow. Like, he literally, he actually, like, got rights to samples on that mm-hmm. album. Like, he, he put wow. in some serious work for that record. Damn. Um, but, yeah, so um, lo- longer story, shorter, um, I was on, like, a three-day tour with the Illuminated Paths tour. Mm-hmm. And um, I had played Pittsburgh the night before with, with Spednar, and it, that was a great show. And then... I made it to New York City, and there at the, like, wherever the Megabus dropped me off, some big library or something, I meet Sean Patel and Lang Lang, who <laughs> I've also released two records for. Yeah. Um, she's a more, you know, more instrumental and vocals, like like a more, more musical. Yeah, more traditional, yeah. better word for it. Um, artist, amazing artist and amazing person. And I met those two, and I'll never forget when I got to New York, I had gotten food poisoning on my bus ride from Pittsburgh to New York. What? Oh, yes. I threw up on the bus. It was terrible. Oh I had the most terrible experience on that bus. Like oh I literally threw up on the bus. Do you feel like you're going to die with food poisoning? Yeah. Yeah. So and I'm bad. like, guys, this is terrible. And I get dropped off and there those two are. I never met them in person in my life. Only yeah. on the internet. They have a sandwich made for me, uh, a can of Sprite, like, they just have me taken care of. They're like, hey, you all right? And I'm just like, actually, I'm great. You know? Now I'm and, great. Yeah. And the three of us, like, the moment we met, it's much like that Dance Energy Cruisers story. Mm-hmm. The moment we met, we were best friends. We loved each other. The moment oh, we met. Man, that's awesome. And we spent the next three days together um, and had the be- some of the best time of my life. Like, yeah. it was incredible. And... Um, why am I telling the story? Where were we? The album. About? I talked about the Synchronicity album, but there's another oh. one. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this isn't related to either of those. I'm just talking about Sean Patel. Um, <laughs> Synchronicity was great. I, I uh, you know, I put that, I put that album out with them. Um, we all worked on that. That was during a weird time in my life. And, and when I was working on the, uh, I believe, the Free Gucci Man album, actually. Um, mm. I put that record out with them and uh, I have a tape copy of that too. But, um, but yeah, that time in New York with them, it was so good because the first night uh, we spent there was so good. Uh, we actually went to Manhattan where Brandon Locker and Olivia Locker were living and they are actually friends of mine from my hometown. Um, like they're Johnstown artists, yeah. but <laughs> Olivia is a professional yeah right olivia olivia is a professional photographer and brandon's like you know a freelance artist and um so there we go the whole way to new york city that was somebody from johnstown and we had a great time there um brandon locker is another great inspiration to mine if people aren't familiar with brandon locker uh please look into his work he uh how do i spell locker l-o-c-h-e-r and his sister is Olivia Locker. She has a lot of published work. Um, she's easier to find on the internet than he is, for sure. But like, 
he's a massive inspiration to me um, and a good friend. And, um, but, um, you know, we hang, hung out with them, spent the night, spent the next day in New York, and then we went and we all played a show in Newark, New Jersey, which was a fantastic show. And um, it was funny because I was working on the Spring Wind album at the time, and I was playing it out in Pittsburgh, but it was almost like a, uh, like how they say DJs like push and play. It was almost like that type of thing. Mm. Because I was just like playing what I was working on, but I always get really conceptual with my live performances. And so I, um, I actually recorded the performance in Pittsburgh. That was the point of me doing that was recording the performance so that I could add it to the audio of the original piece that I played in Pittsburgh right. to further add on to what would become the album. If you listen to that album, you can yeah. hear that it's really dense. There's a lot of channels going on. Mm-hmm. Um, simultaneously, Bernie Sanders was speaking in Pittsburgh that night, and I recorded his speech off the radio at the same time and included that in the album as well. Um, but then I, I took that to Newark when we played at this great place called the, the seed gallery. And, um, you know, there was great because there was this like impromptu Lang Lang and Lincoln collab that happened with these synthesizers mm-hmm. and both of them played. And it was like on like the fifth floor, you could see over the cities. It's gorgeous. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to play. I was like, guys, this is a little high end for me. Like, I don't even have anything. And the dude running is like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, like, the best I could do is, like, play you something off my phone through the PA. And he's like, then do it. Like, we're having the best time here. Like, you're up. Do it. Yeah. And so I literally just plugged my, or because I had mixed the two. And then before we got there, and he's like, just plug it in and do it. And we'll keep hanging out. It'll be like a party for an hour. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right. And so I literally just plugged my phone into the PA and let my new record play and we all just hung out and talked and like it was great and then like you know more artists play it after and it was fantastic but um and then obviously we spent the night again back in new york he sean's in brooklyn and um and then you know the next day i he helped me get to the bus and i i went home but he was one of the best dudes Damn. I ever met. Both of them were two of the best people I ever met in my life. Yeah. And that um, was the last time you met, you saw them? Yeah. Yeah. And it was cool because Sean Patel, if anyone, uh, I don't know, if anyone follows Sean, um, he's really silly and and funny. And <laughs> he will like consistently post like, Facebook videos and Instagram videos of him talking about things. And it's just total satire. Like it's not serious at all. He lets himself fumble over words and he's just like acknowledging like inane concepts and stuff. And it's hilarious. Well, I was a comedy. 3D blast does that all the time. Exactly. And like, I love it. And when we were in Newark, he was filming what we called a Sean video. And there is um in his video she and i figured out that he was recording a sean video so we started recording him 
and he turned and saw us recording him. So in the Sean video, you see us recording him. And then I like screenshotted the Sean video of him looking at us and used that as the artwork to a song that I made for that experience called Good Friends, which is a uh, Golden Girls theme song cover or uh, sample. Um, and and the picture is literally like me and her like filming Sean doing a Sean video. And so, um, you know, I just love the getting into rabbit holes with stuff. But yeah, yeah. I can't speak highly enough about those two. Nice. Um, I'll link them to a, it's Y L A N G Y L A N G. If anyone yep. was wondering. Um, all right. So let's finish this off here. We got a couple right. more questions. Uh, anything you want to say to your fans, listeners, community, anything like that, that haven't heard from you in a while? Um, I would just say, um, I didn't fall off. I'm still here. Um, just yeah. been super busy. Um, I, I work like 60 hours a week now. And, um, that's so I just have been busy. Uh, that's you really any, the truth of it. Any music you're working on or anything? So right now, an idea in my head is you and I have talked in private about maybe working on some, uh, doing some physical reissues of some Alanthus releases. That's something I want to dig a li- little deeper into. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, this year is the 10th anniversary of Atlantis recordings. And so, um, next month I want to start reaching out to every artist that has ever worked on Atlantis recordings and put together a new compilation and try to get like, even if I get like 160 different artists on it like i want to i want to put it out and so Mm -hmm. i'd like to get a snapshot of where everybody i've worked with as much as possible is and including Mm. people that haven't worked on alanthus but people i have relationships with i'd like to put everybody together and uh put out a you know 10 year anniversary compilation this year that's so cool i don't have any alanthus releases like lined up like i haven't talked to anybody about releasing anything right now um and i have a few ideas brewing about current work a lot of it's actually based on some 740 recordings um <laughs> but uh sweet but that's that's about it i'm just trying to cool. keep things you know keep things keep my so head above real. water you know yeah man i read you and I'm just happy. I'd, I'd like to do more things like this. You know what I mean? Um, you know, 40 some records is a lot to say without ever actually talking about it. And so um, I, I like these. I like that. That speaks back to your earlier question about like, what could the scene need or where do you think the scene is? The fact that there are podcasts and YouTube videos and Discogs or not Discogs, uh, like uh, Discord videos and and stuff like that, like focusing on this topic channels yeah, is mind blowing to me. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. Also, um, I don't know where it's at, but I was interviewed for the nobody here documentary. Yes. I don't know like where the status of that is. Cause that was a couple months ago. We're, um, we're working on it. We're finishing up the interviews. Oh wait, this, are you involved this, in that too? I, I am. <laughs> what? <Are you> serious? <laughs> This interview is not related. But, but, yeah. but really, you're involved in that. 
Yeah, I'm interviewing a bunch of folks. I'm I'm I didn't know that. I'm I'm like verifying information and providing facts and helping that's like write well, the story sort of. They the not I write the story, the, but I shouldn't the say the producers that, or directors. Um, the guys some sort of England. associate producer. Yeah, the the main director, Chris. Yeah, he's yeah. he's awesome. That's who I did the uh, interview with, not too yeah. or like a couple months back. Okay, nice. so it's still yeah. happening. Yeah, I'm talking to. I Chris messaged me an hour ago. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't I said messaged hi. him because I've been talking to you. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, tell him yeah. I said hi. That's sure, awesome. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I didn't realize you were connected with that at all. That's awesome. That's um, funny. Yeah, so that's hopefully coming out. And, uh, yes. You know, I'm hoping I, I tell get he's, inspired he's getting a little eager bit now. to yeah. make something new, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, uh, I guess with that, we'll ask the last question, and that is, do you have any shout-outs you want to give? I'm no. sure you'll have too many to say on the show, but... I should have made a list, honestly. Maybe, uh, yeah. Um, I-, I had to make one. <laughs> yeah, so um, as far as shout-outs, um, I guess I could probably try to like condense things. Um, I would just say that I am endlessly grateful to everybody who I've collaborated with, whether it's somebody who released my work or somebody who let me release their work or somebody who directly collaborated with me. Um, There are so many of you that um, it would be irrational to try to name off every single person that I, that I appreciate right now. But um, to all of you that I have worked with, Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful that we've done this together. Um, from the smallest level of working together to people I've collaborated with numerous times, I'm just like really grateful that we've been able to make this happen the way that it has. And without trying, you know, it's just about loving each other. And um, I really respect mm-hmm. all of you. And I would extend the same sentiment to my hometown community and scene. Um, All of those artists that inspired me to create in the first place, to Mm. promote in the first place. Those of you who taught me to, you know, accept who I am and be unapologetic in who I am. um, I learned that in those old fire halls and, you know, warehouses and, community centers like i learned that from you guys and so if any of you are listening i i i appreciate you and love you very much obviously uh you know all respect to my family and my girlfriend and and my pets i i love them i doubt any of them will hear this so um (laughs) i won't go on too much but um i just uh appreciate you all for listening um the fact that any of you care to hear what i have to say um means a lot and um please just uh you know check out Atlantis recordings so that you can hear other people's amazing work and if you check out i encourage you to like click on an album that you never heard before and if you like that you know check more of their workout just like go down rabbit holes use use Atlantis to go down rabbit holes <laughs> and find you know, new artists that you love. And I just really encourage you to listen to the people that I've worked with and um, on Atlantis because there's some pretty incredible artists on there. And um, 
beyond that, I just want to say thank you, Indy. Uh, this opportunity is amazing. Um, obviously, you can tell I could probably talk for like 10 hours. Uh, I'm so hype on, on the idea of talking about these topics. And um, <laughs> I'm really grateful to you. So thank you very much. No problem, man. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. You're such an inspiration to me, to so many people in the community. Like, seriously, bro, you are the best. So it's a real treat and pleasure's all mine. <laughs> thank you. That means no a lot. No problem. Anytime, dude. Anytime. All right. Well, that was a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Scott. Um, we'll continue talking, of course, but for now, we will say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Scott. Bye. Have a good night. You too. All right. That was my interview with Scott Michael from Atlantis Recordings. Please check out Atlantis if you haven't. A I L A N T H U S alanthusrecordings.bandcamp.com you can also check out their facebook alanthus recordings on facebook if you'd like to get in touch i want to say thanks to scott once again that was a long chat but it was so much fun and so neat to get into the nitty-gritty of some of those old stories that got us to where we are today in a way um, so we're going to check out some music from scott some from some of his various projects uh, new figure variety. Uh, I want to say also, there's some amazing music videos that Patrick Ludemage, shouts out, did uh, for some of Scott Michael's projects. So check those out. Um, I would definitely recommend um, ADHD NFL Blitz or New Figure Variety. I know those have some great videos. Uh, we play some of them on the stream, actually. Um, which you can check out at twitch.tv slash utopia district. We're not running it at this very moment, but it'll be back up very soon. I'm having some issues with the server. <laughs> um, all right, so that wraps up the episode, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Be well. If you want to hit up Utopia District, we've got the website, utopiadistrict.com. Uh, we interact on Twitter quite a bit if you want to chat with us or Instagram. You can uh, check out our Discord as well. Most of us are chatting there like during the day and whatnot. So if you want that more interactive experience, <laughs> you can check out check that out. And it's a great way to meet our team as well. Some of our writers and whatnot, editors and things like that, designers. Check out our YouTube. Uh, youtube.com slash c slash utopia district we've got some cool videos going up there um, one in particular i really like is a series called let's learn let's learn and vapor priestess is doing the first set of videos so far and we're just walking you through how to make certain types of art the first two are um how to do it on uh, mobile apps, like using a tablet or a phone, for example. So it's pretty cool. Check it out. And with that, we will leave you with the music. Feel free to hit up Scott on Facebook, like I said, and check out Atlantis Recordings. And in the description, we'll have a link to his Discogs where you can check out the all of the various projects and get a feel for the story that Scott was mentioning during the show. All right, take care, everyone. Be well, and we'll see you next time.
nice. Thank you.
The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people, and so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. A decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!